Jersey. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Door is still very much open for him to return this season. There's no point in guessing whether it's four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. We, we don't know. They don't know at this point. They'll know better once they go in, complete this procedure on Embiid's left knee. He has had procedures on both knees to, you know, fix a meniscus. So brutal for Philadelphia. That was Adrian Wojnarowski right there with the news on Joel Embiid, which doesn't sound great. He said it right there. Brutal. For Philadelphia, it's the Sports Bass live at the Oceans Gallery, bar, book, and games on the campus here at the beautiful Atlantic City Sportsbook, which right now, if you were a betting man, you would not be betting on Joel Embiid to win MVP. But the question is, Ryan Rosty, yep. would you be betting on him to return this season? Will we see Joel Embiid again this season? What's up, everybody? Mike Gill, Ryan Rothstein, Danny Ryan's our on-site producer. Josh Henning is back at the studio of 97.3 ESPN producing today's show. And just, I mean, a, a, a blow to the six, just a gut punch. I mean, absolute gut punch. And I went to the game on Saturday night, and it looked like a team that knew the answer to the question. Well, what was the question? Will we have Joel and be the rest of the season? No. All right, well, pfft. Wow. No, a definitive no from Mike. I don't know. I mean, that's the how door, I feel. The door isn't closed. Okay, that's their way of holding the breadcrumbs out there Dude, that means and making nothing. you think that there's a chance for him to play. I can't imagine. I mean, okay, I, I've read everything from four to six weeks, six to eight weeks. Yeah. If it's four to six weeks, we talked about this last week. You're looking at March Madness. That's yeah. when four to six weeks would be. You're in the March Madness time frame. Yeah. Six to eight weeks. You're now getting into April, mid-April, if not after the first round. The first round of the playoffs begins April 20th mm-hmm. if they're not in the play-in tournament. So I, if it's six to eight <laughs> weeks, I guess my question for you is, yeah. he's out six to eight weeks. Let's say he's seven weeks, and now he's cleared and healthy. Do you play him? Do you play or him? Or do you just say, listen, this season's a lost season. We're going to hold him out. I mean, it obviously depends on where you're at at that time in the standings. Did you completely implode or did you keep it together right, and you're well, still that's... in the top five? But for the, I don't need, that's not even the question to be, MG. I, I mean, th- to me, it's like, here we are again. Should any of us be shocked? I'm mad at myself for believing in this team and having confidence that this would not happen to Joel Embiid. Like, I'm sick and tired of this dude right now. I'll be dramatic today. I'll be the I'll be the idiot. I'm fine with it. Like I'm sick and tired of this dude. It's every year. Well, you can't get to sixty games, how, Mike. It's every year. I, I understand it's the frustration there, but how year. much of it is his fault? I don't. It's whose fault is it? I don't care whose fault it is. I mean, if you want to say it's not his, okay, fine. The reality is, your best ability is availability, sure. and this dude is never available. So what do we have here? We're like the 2012 pre-process Sixers. Listen, I get the frustration. And I somebody was on social media going back and forth with me. And I said, listen, I'm one of the biggest Joel Embiid fans out there. But the me reality too. is he hasn't been healthy. And he was saying, well, he's healthy now. And I said, yeah, but he's got to get to the playoffs healthy. And he's never been able to do it. And I feel bad for the guy because most of this is 
all out of his control. I don't know. Most of the time when he gets hurt, I mean, he runs into Markel Fultz's head and breaks his face. Listen, some of it is... It wasn't even his fault. Fultz ran into him. Some of it's not his fault, but come on, man. You're a professional athlete. Don't, don't you weird. think don't you think that he could he could put himself and position himself to be better conditioned? Like Patrick Mahomes does all those weird exercises, contorts his body to prepare for the unknown. I think he could do a better job. This one's weird because we don't know how much of this injury was part of a previous injury, or was this Kaminga falling on his knee the complete cause of this new injury. I find that hard to believe, by the way. I feel that he was already compromised, played in a game he should not have played in, and then Kaminga fell on him and then totally... Yeah, but, I mean, he he someone fell on top of him. I get that. Uh, right, like, I don't know how, how much of a factor a uh, but that's my pre-existing point is, injury that's is, not, but... The fact that somebody else fell on him is not his fault. No, it's not, but here we are again, right? Like, that's my point. Fair or foul, how come every year... We find ourselves in this position. Michael Jordan, eight of his 13 seasons, he played 82 games. Kobe Bryant played 82 games consistently. Right? Like, if you want to talk about being a great, if you want to talk about leading the team to a championship, you can't play 52 games. I get it. A lot of it is the nature of being a big man. You're down low. You're battling. You're tangling. You're you're, you're more apt to be in areas where you can get tangled and fall on because you're the big man. The little guys, you know, you're... And that's some of the reasons why the Sixers rather have him settle for mid-range stuff than being sure. down low because of the nature of banging and clanging and getting tangled up. Look how and, that worked out. Right. Well, he's on the ground going for a ball. and this is, But this is the two-edged thing here. The other night in that game, he should not have been in the game. He had eight turnovers in that game. A lot of it was because the Warriors are doubling him hardcore because they know he can't move. Yeah, and they want the ball out of his hands. Right, well, they're doubling him. The guy knocks the ball free from him. Well, Embiid jumps on the floor to go try to get the ball because it got knocked out of his hands because he had no lateral movement. Well, why he's on the ground trying to get a loose ball that got knocked out of his hands, somebody fell on him. Now, see, this is where where I disagree with you because I think you're getting too into the weeds here, man. Right, because... What are we talking about? I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what are we saying? Like, someone had to clear him to play that night, I would hope and assume. A doctor with a real medical well, that's degree. that's convoluted problem of this but, whole thing. But let's just assume, like, for a second that someone cleared him for that game, right? So what are we saying? He shouldn't be playing in games. We need to take the bubble wrap back out of the box. Right? Like, that's the problem with this guy. I understand. Fine. Somebody cleared him to play in the game. I'll even take it out of that and be talked his way in. Somebody cleared him. Fine. Mm-hmm. They cleared him. All you had to do was watch that game and at any moment say, he's not healthy enough to be out here. We thought he looked better in the pregame warm-ups. We got to get him off the court. He had no contribution to that game at all. He was awful from the field he had two free throws which tells you what he wanted no parts of being active no. in the game yeah his shooting percentage was way down he settled for six threes so at some point in that game the eye test said all right we got to get him off the court he is contributing nothing to why we're even in this game it wasn't like they made a run and joel and b just kept banging down elbow jumpers to keep you close so he who had do you nothing blame? to do with that game. so who do you blame I blame well, the team. All right. So that, but that, then that's the bigger issue. I don't here. blame him for saying, I want to play and I'm going to try to play. Okay. No, you're not 100%. That's... You want to go out there because people are questioning you, uh, the 65 game thing, all that BS. 
No, the team has to say, look, we listen to you, Joel. You tried. You got... You're just not – you don't look right tonight, man. Yes. Let's get you off the floor. I hear you, right? So, like, the team could be the problem, certainly a big part of the problem. But I'll take a step back and say, well, isn't that the problem? That we have to have these conversations every every season about this guy. We shouldn't be having these conversations. That's my point. Like, okay, you're right. Let's say you're right. He shouldn't have been out there. Why are we talking about this? That's my bigger issue. Is that fair? Well, listen, again, it's the nature of, of being a big guy. I mean, it's the nature of having your best player be a guy who, by the way, entered the league and missed two years, which, by the way, is interesting. He missed two years with an injury that has never been a problem for him since he got into the league. The foot injury that he had that kept him out for two seasons before he ever played has never really been an issue for him. He had back problems in college. That hasn't been a problem for him. All these other injuries that have occurred are all things Something that new. have happened new. And, I mean, of all of them, not a lot of them are because are, are, are any fault of his. Like, he got elbowed in the face by somebody in the yeah. one game that yeah. broke his one orbital bone. Siakam drilled him. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and that broke his orbital bone. Like, what are you supposed to do there? I hear you. Like, I, that's I a freak thing. Fultz is an idiot and runs into him, uh-huh. and they collide because Fultz is so out of control yep and that broke his face he broke he's the only guy i've ever met in my life who broke both sides of his face it's impressive i'm not even mad i'm actually impressed you know um, he had the knee problem last year he's had the uh, the, the gastroenteritis every like, year it's multiple something. times i get it like you're right he has been you can't count on him you can't count on him. bottom line that's the only way to say it and and if you're daryl Morey, mike gill what do you what do you do about this? That's right? The thing. What do you and do? I, I don't know, man. But I, you got to do something. I hate. I hate. So I you hate. just up and say we got to trade this guy because we just simply can't count on him. I, I would. Yes, I think that should be a conversation. And the other conversation should be. Listen, I don't want to trade Joel Embiid. Listeners out there, I, I'm with you. I do not want to trade Joel Embiid. But if you don't trade him, then you have to bring someone in that can be your legitimate one A. You have to say, all right, Joel Embiid is our number two option, and we can we can win without it's him. It's so hard to do. Like, it's, I, I hear what you're saying. Like, put the importance on somebody else. The yes. problem is you got a guy who's having an historic season. How do nothing. you say that guy's number two? It could, because he's not available. Well, now he's not available. So he's a ghost. There's another peel of the onion. All right, let's say Embiid can come back in six to eight weeks. Okay, let's say it. What do you do in the meantime? Do you make a trade right now? Like, a couple of years ago, this happened. And I was talking about this with Paul Hudrick on Friday. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, they lost Embiid, and they had a Ben Simmons-led team with Marco Bellinelli. And they won 17 of 18. They won 18 games straight, yeah. and they went into the playoffs bombs away. They were just shooting threes with him, with Ben Simmons getting what he wanted. Yeah. He wanted to run a team based on his Style of style play. of play. Run and gun, and I'll set guys up and just let them bombs away from three. Mm-hmm. They won 18 games in a row. The problem was when Embiid was healthy and ready to come back, they had to try to force feed him back into the lineup with a welding mask on his face, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So do you make a trade to try to get this team, keep them afloat, and move up the standings with, like, another guard and just make it a guard-oriented team? Or do you go out and say, look, let's go get like an Andre Drummond and put him as the starting center and mm-hmm. still keep that big guy, and then when Embiid comes back, 
we're still kind of running things with a, a real center. Like, now they're, they're in a weird spot where they have to make a decision. Do we just change the t- entire dynamics of the team? And then when he comes back, we got to change the dynamics of the team again? Yes, you do, right? But listen, Maxie just had a 50 piece without him. I mean, Max. Guess what? And they needed the every. To... They needed every one of those fifties for them to win that game. They Almost, can't get yeah. fifty from him every single night. No, they cannot. Of course not. But I think you have a few options. You have what you outlined. And by the way, I'm not Andre Drummond. Big fan of his. He was valuable once upon a time here in Philly. Paul Reed's capable of stepping in. And, I don't and, know, man. Yeah, dude. Paul Reed. Every time you give him extended minutes, he delivers. Uh, I, I, I think if you start giving him minutes, he's going to start getting exposed. Sure, he's not he's not an all-star, but I think he's Listen, you put him in the starting lineup, he's not the worst center in the league. No, but I mean, he's better than some others that are starting. Well, that's the question. Do you go and get I just throw I mean, who's a I okay, I'll give you some names. I got an email list today of 10 names um Vegas right. put out the list of 10 betting names. All right, so while you while you pull that up, I just want to throw out another option that we can get to later. Do you tank? the season do you shut the season down right now shut it down you unload assets before the trade deadline you do the opposite of what we're implying you say all right you know what and bees out for two months we're going to get rid of anyone we're not re-signing via the trade and we're just gonna we're gonna try and gear up for a big off season here's the problem they've already come too far the, a tank at this point you're you're, you're about 500 so you're stuck in the no man's land that you don't want to be in anyway. You're you're not in the lottery. You're not that bad. You can't. You're not going no, to get to that point. It's unloading contracts. But all the contracts they have are all expiring anyway. Harris is expiring. Rocco's expiring. Morris is expiring. Batum is expiring. They're all expiring contracts. Yeah, but anywhere. you get draft picks for them. Instead of letting them walk, you're getting second round draft picks. You're getting first round. You're getting second round. Yeah, you're getting... but you're better off like keeping them, letting the contracts expire, and then getting all the cap space. Well, what's more valuable, guys? Is it the sal- over fifty million dollars in salary cap space this off season, or on the flip side, is it getting draft picks of the unknown? No, it's it's the it's the it's the cap space. That's why you can't just trade them for draft picks, unless well, you could which still... makes no sense. I mean, unless you trade it. Like a Marcus Morris, a Nick Batum, and a Rocco, mm-hmm. and in return you got back an expiring contract of the same. You have to match salaries, but you got back a player who was lesser than them. Yeah, and let's say a playoff team said, "Look, we want Marcus Morris," uh-huh. and they gave you a second round, know, a second round pick plus. You have to match the salary though. Sure, a player who just isn't going to play for you. I mean, stinks. Yeah, but as has a bloated contract. I don't. It allows you to get the second just round pick. Insert name, right? Yeah. Mike Muscala. I, I, I don't know what Mike Muscala <laughs> makes, but let's just say a team rather have Nick Batum uh-huh. than Mike Muscala. You get Muscala, and they throw a second round pick. Fine, you get, you can try that. Yeah, but uh, you know you're you're really trying to find three situations. It's not a huge thing. I, I hear you. I agree with that, but it's tough. Would you have that list up? Yeah, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Do you trade for Andrew Wiggins? These are the 10 players, the NBA trade odds for 10 players. So these are 10 players whose names are most involved in trade. Okay. Andrew Wiggins, any interest? Like, Okay, now you don't have a bead. Now it's Maxie and this guy. No. 
Okay. No interest. By the way, Sixers are not on the list of the best odds to get him. Okay, great. Bo- Bogan Bogdanovich. A big fan of his, but no. Sixers I- are not on that list, by the way, of teams. You know, Boston's the favorite, two to one. Just what Boston needs. Add Bogan Bogdanovich. Gee, thanks. Yeah, wow. Bucks, by the way, four to one. Clippers, five to one. I'm going to say no to probably everyone, but go ahead. Okay, that was Bogdan Bogdanovich. This is Bojan Bogdanovich. Oh. The Sixers are on that list. Yeah. Um,. No, no. I like it. I like nice player, but no, right now. Uh, is that is Bojan is the Hawks version, right? Yes, he's a shooter. Yeah, they're both shooters, yeah, but yeah, but he's I'm just the saying. better of the two. Right, right. Yes. D'Angelo Russell. No, go- gosh, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm just giving you the names, man. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> All right, fine. Uh, Dejounte Murray. No, no. Anyone that wants him, I, I have to sit you down. Demar Derozan. No. And the Sixers are three to one on that. Can list. you give your yes or no, by the way, real quick on these? Uh, none of these guys interested. Okay. Jordan Clarkson. No. <laughs> I actually like Clarkson. I, I mean, he's fine. In, but in the situation no. here, he's not providing. Him and Maxie are almost duplicates. Uh, uh, I mean, Maxie's a better, but I'm just saying they're both. Clarkson's like, not even really a, a, a one. He can be. That's what I'm saying. Like, Maxie's not really a one. He's just kind of playing a one. He's yeah. grown into the role, but Clarkson's just like a. The Sixers like have a poor man Jamal Crawford. Right, they have they have Jordan Clarkson's on their roster already. Um, Keldon Johnson, no. Sixers are nine to one on that one. Kyle Kuzma, no, absolutely not. <laughs> and no. Tobias Harris is the last one. Yeah. So this is where you're at. You're in a situation where, and I love to hear from what the people think out there. 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. It's just is one of the more frustrating things. Like, you'd just be making a trade just to make one. It wouldn't make sense. Uh, okay. Well, that's the thing. Uh, you have to ask this question. Where are they now? Fifth? They got um, bombed the other night by a mediocre Nets team. Yeah, I believe they're they're fifth. I'll, I'll pull it up here. But So you are closer to the play-in situation. Sixers now. are in fifth. Okay. So you're in fifth. Are you closer to a play-in round team than you are the team? No, you're not better than the Knicks right now. You're not better than Cleveland right now. You're probably you're not better than the Bucks right now, uh-huh. and you're probably not better than Indiana right now. Even though Indiana's behind you, Indiana's two and a half games behind. Okay, right. yeah, the Sixers are a game back of the Knicks. They're two back of Milwaukee. You're middle of the pack. Yeah. You're middle of the pack. You're a second round exit. You're screaming you're second even, round exit. Okay, right now, right as now, as constructed without Joel Embiid, you are not even a first round team. You're not going to get out of the first round. Depends on the matchup. You're not beating any of those teams ahead of you. No, you're not beating the Knicks. Because you're, if you're a five right now, you're going to play the four. You're going to lose. If right. you're a six right now, you're going to play the three. You're going to lose. Yeah, you're not beating the Milwaukee. So if you yeah. are five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever play in team you want to be, they are not getting out of the first round without Joel Embiid. Not with this team. No, so they not. have to ask themselves, do we legitimately think Joel Embiid can come back and help us? If that's the case, can we get a team put together between now and the trade deadline on Thursday that can help this team stay in the middle of the pack in terms of can we be four, three, or two? That's the question. There's no ideal situation, though, Gil, because, all right, let's say a miracle occurs and this team is in fourth or third when Joel Embiid gets back. Let's say another miracle occurs and he gets back what? 
What's the best case scenario that he gets back? Uh, we Late March? We still don't even know because they haven't said whether it was a complete tear or a partial. Or just a cleaning situation. Now, there's three levels that I've seen here. If it was a grade one and you just need to kind of repair the flap, it's a four to six week. Okay. If it's a grade two situation where they had to do some more work, but it wasn't a complete tear, it's a six to eight week situation. If it was a complete tear and it had to be completely redone, he's out for the year. I would guess if there were betting odds on this, the betting favorite would be six to eight weeks with Joel Embiid. I would agree. <laughs> I, I would feel that right now I would say six to eight weeks would be. So that puts us in March. You know, March is four weeks, the beginning of March, and eight weeks is April. So let's say it's some. A- and April 20th is when the, the playoffs begin. So there you go. Okay, so either way you slice it, if this team has fallen apart when he returns or they miraculously have kept it together, now you have to incorporate a, a Joel Embiid okay, but who's if, not 100% if, who hasn't been if there. If you're Daryl Moore, you're sitting here right now, and you're looking at the standings, you're saying, all right, we are a game behind the Knicks, we're a game and a half behind Cleveland, and we're two behind the Bucks. Can I make a trade that keeps us there? I don't think that's the question. Harris, and I go out and get this guy, and he's now the second guy. Maxie becomes the guy. This guy's now the second guy. I don't know who that guy is. Is Uh it Murray? Is it Bogdanovich? And can you get a team together that can get that team that's still playing just a different style of ball? You know, you got – I don't think you need to – you don't need to force a trade. And if you're Daryl Morey, the answer is no. You don't go make a trade that you were not really going to make anyway. This team, with a healthy maxi, Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre, Pat Bev off the bench, B-Ball Paul stepping in in a slightly bigger role, you still have a ton of depth, you still have shooters, and you still have an all-star leading the charge alongside a very good regular season player in Tobias. I do think this team can stay afloat. What do you guys think out there? What's your blueprint if you're Daryl Morey right now? 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Got a lot already. Deflating. It Just is. deflating, man. It, it, I, I got to tell you, this has been one of the most fun Joel and B. Like, he has been unbelievable to watch every night. This is his most dominating performance yet. It's been historic. And and now this. It's the Good new norm. The gut, man. It's the new norm with Joel and B. What's Mike McGarry think Daryl Morey should do? That's next. We're live at the Ocean Gallery Bar Book and Games on the campus of Ocean Casino in Atlantic City here on 97.3 ESPN. It's this Mike Gill. Do I have everybody's attention now? On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Sports Fast Live, 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Ryan, we're live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games where Super Bowl Sunday, you can watch right here, bet on all the action it's going to be an epic scene inside the gallery here. All right, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City is here. Now, we all kind of figured, Mike, something was going to happen with Joel Embiid. It was a vague statement the Sixers put out yesterday. They sent an email. I'm sure we all got it right at the same time. And it was just a simple statement on Joel Embiid that said, uh, he will undergo a corrective procedure this week to address an injury to the lateral meniscus in his left knee. An update will be provided following the procedure. No timeline on that. So, Michael, how should we read that vague email? 
Well, I mean, you got to take it at face value, right? And I think, you know, to give the Sixers, um, I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt here, but I really believe it's probably, you know, until they open that knee up and, and get an actual look at what's going on inside of it and then see how the procedure goes, they probably can't give a timeline, right, or an exact timeline. Uh, I do think, though, it would probably be fair to say that he would be out at least, at least until you know, the very end of the regular season. And I think the goal, the best case goal, is probably bringing him back for the playoffs. All right. So in the meantime here, how do you play it if you're Maury? You have the trade deadline Thursday. Do you, A, go out and get another player that can kind of be the second guy to Maxi, and hope that that team can keep you in the 4-3-2 area? Do you try to get like a like a drumming, like a veteran center, and try to replace Embiid in that manner and hope that you can stay in the playoff mix? Or do you basically do nothing and panic and see what happens with the team that you currently have and hope Embiid comes back and you're kinda in the mix still? Yeah, I, I Or is there a D that I'm not thinking of, which there probably is. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I'll do A and B. I'm going to try to improve the team. I'm going to try to get another guy who can create offense uh, that can play with Embiid and Maxi and play with Maxi right now. I'm going to try to bolster my my center position, uh, you know, and try to you know not just rely on Paul Reed and Obama in that spot. Go out and get maybe a veteran like Drummond and try to bolster the ship a little bit and hope that Embiid comes back, you know, ready for the playoffs. I said before, you only have so many championship opportunities with Joel Embiid, and that's more real now than ever. Plus, I think the Sixers have to make a move, don't they? I mean, they have some expiring contracts to sort of use. I mean, now's the time to use those guys. You don't want to let them expire and walk away for nothing. So I think the Sixers are almost compelled to make a move, and I think you try to improve the team as much as you can, and you hope that you get a healthy Embiid back for the playoffs convince me that this team can still come out of the east because for me based off Joel Embiid's history like we've seen this song and dance we've seen this movie um he typically comes back it's hard to incorporate him back onto the floor he's not 100 percent, and it's just he's not the same the team's not the same so convince me Mike McGarry that that you know has there's a good chance that that won't happen yeah, I, I mean, I can't. <laughs> you okay. know? I mean, yeah. he, we, we've seen him come back, and and it's a struggle sometimes when he comes back. Again, the big question is, you know, he does get out of shape in a hurry because he's so big. How long does he, you know, not only does the knee get healthy, but then how long does it take to sort of ramp him up to NBA-level competition? I mean, you're basically just holding your breath and hoping you just, you know, the gods, the basketball gods look down on you and smile and you get a healthy six- to eight-week stretch of Joel Embiid in the playoffs. So far, it hasn't happened. So if it hasn't happened in the past, it's hard to imagine it happening in the future. But that's the sort of bed that the 76ers are lying in right now. You know, they don't really have any other choice other than to make the team as good as possible around Embiid and hope when it gets to the playoffs that you have a two-month healthy run uh, of Joel Embiid, and it's never happened before, and the Sixers are just left in that quadrant. Because I don't know, what, what what's the alternative? You trade Embiid, you're not going to do that. So you have yeah. to just sort of hold your breath, make the team as good as it is, and, and hope that one of these years 
you know, he's healthy for, for two months in the spring. Who do we blame here, right? Because Gil and I were, were talking and debating to open the show. Like, all right, it, it has to be – you have to put this on Embiid. I understand not all of it. Some of it's just unfortunate, horrific luck. But I, I just feel like the Sixers have mismanaged him – and there's been other examples of key players and how they've managed and mismanaged their return to injury, them getting injured. I, I mean, you know as well as anyone. So if we have to place blame, where are we placing it? Yeah, I, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, where the blame goes. I mean, I, I just feel bad for Embiid. We've seen this before with big men, Bill Walton, Yao Ming, uh, Greg Oden to the extreme you know, Embiid entered uh, the league with that broken navicular bone in his feet, in his foot, a stress fracture in his back. I mean, if you looked at his league medicals, he's probably already played longer and better than a lot of people projected of, uh, what he would be able to do coming out of Kansas. You have to actually feel for him and the, and the 76ers. It just seems, you know, it, it's um, like he's cursed or it's, it's star-crossed. I mean, he's a big man and and big men have uh, problems with injuries, and, and we've seen it before, and he's the latest guy. And, you know, you don't want to sit there and, and look at Joel Embiid, who's had a wonderful career, has been an MVP, has been arguably the best player in the NBA this season, and you don't want to look at him and, and his Sixers' time and, and, and ask the question what might have been. But right now, uh, you know, that's that's the phrase that, that – speaks to mind when uh, Joel Embiid's name comes up, what might have been. And, and you know, are there sad birds in sports? I don't think so. Mike, uh, is there any part of you that says, look, if this thing is, you know, he's six to eight weeks and he's closer to the eight week, you know, we're, the playoffs start April 20th and the Sixers are like a play-in team. I don't think they're going to be so bad that they fall completely out. But I think worst case scenario is, you know, they're they're. Eight, nine, ten, and you're playing a play-in game. Do you even, I mean, bring him back with no games, no cardio, no nothing, and just say, "Hey, if we have Joel Embiid signed and he's on our roster, we have got to take a shot with him," or do you just say, "We'll fight another year and let him just kind of recuperate"? No, I bring him back when he's ready to play. I don't rush him back, Mike. I don't say, you know, I don't say, hey, the playoffs are starting, you know, Tuesday night and, and we got to, you know, put a 70% Joel Embiid out there or a 60% Joel Embiid uh, out there. But if he is 100% and he has been ramped up and, and not rushed and he's ready to go, yeah, I, I play him uh, if he's 100% ready to go. What I don't do is rush him back and put a, a 70% Joel Embiid out there or a 60% Joel Embiid. If he's healthy, recovered from the surgery, if the knee's good and he gets back in shape and he's ready to go and he's, you know, 95 to 100% come playoff time, yeah, I put I put him out there to play in, in that playoff game. But I do not rush him back and, and try to salvage something if he's not completely healthy. Do you read the tea leaves at all on the vagueness of this whole thing? Or, I mean... You know, we're, we're not getting a clear in, like, obviously there's, I mean, a lot of meniscus injuries people can play through. I mean, you, you got, he played through one last year, uh, in the playoffs. So the people who are like, how bad is this? He played with this injury last year. Now there's different degrees of it. The fact that he's not playing through it this time, does that set off alarms for you that it's worse than what they're letting on? Yeah, you know, I honestly think in in their case, I really think uh, they don't know exactly how bad it is. 
Obviously, if you're going to have surgery, it's worse than it was last year. So until they get in there and look at the surgery and do the surgery and see how that goes, I, I think in their in their own way, I mean, I think the Sixers were trying to do everything they can not to say the word tear in in the uh, in the press release. They were kind of jumping through hoops, trying to say, you know, not say the word tear. But I think the delay over the weekend was maybe indeed taking, you know, 24, 48 hours to sort of decide on what sort of treatment uh, he was going to go. Was he going to try to rest and come back in six weeks? Or was he going to try to have the surgery and come back? So he elected to have the surgery. And now I think you're in a position where you have to wait until the um, surgery happens before uh, you can say exactly when he's back. And, you know, I understand the frustration of fans. Everybody wants to know, okay, he's, he's doing this, and he'll be back, you know, April 19th, and the playoffs start that next day, and, and, and away you go. But I just think there's a lot of unknown here that, you know, uh, that the club and Embiid is is dealing with. I I look at it this way, and just you can respond to to my thought here, Mike McGarry. But it's going to depend on where this team sits when Joel Embiid is potentially ready to return, right? Because you know we we brought up the off season. This team right now is going to have at least forty million dollars to play around with. So I, I think the window has one more year on this thing. Like it all comes down to this off season. So if this team isn't in the top four or five in the East when Embiid could return, I don't think he returns. And then they take one more swing at it in this off season. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I mean it, it is. It is a possibility. Uh, you know, the window is uh, is closing on Embiid, uh, and this for this exact reason. And there has to be a sense of urgency of, uh, you know, maximizing his time with the 76ers. I still think if he's healthy and they're in the playoffs, I take a shot at it because, you know, we saw Miami come out of the play-in round last year and, and go to the final. And look, if you're, let's say you're the Knicks and you're the number three seed and, and you want to look up uh, at, and face uh, Sixers with a healthy Joel Embiid in, in the first round as the number six seed, or if you're the Bucks and you're the number two seed and, and the Sixers are the seventh seed, do you want to see a healthy Joe Embiid in the playoffs. So, again, if he's 100%, if he's recovered and he's ramped up and he's ready to go, I put him out there. Also, I think you put him out there for another reason. I think it takes away – you talk about the offseason and stuff like that. If he doesn't play again this this season, you don't know what he's going to be like at the start of next season. So that adds only more uncertainty into the factor. If he can come back and play and you see him play at a high level, even if it's just for four or five games in the playoffs or just for one playoff series, I think that makes both Embiid and the 76ers feel better about themselves going forward. Uh, awful situation. Just uh, deflating. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. I mean, you're not winning an NBA title without him. I mean, it almost feels like a lost situation. And now you're stuck in no man's land because you don't know if you are without him, when you're going to get him, and what the team is without him. I mean, we're about to find out. But the trade deadline being Thursday, I don't know if that helps or complicates things. Yeah. What do you think? Does it help that it's so close that you can freshly make this decision, or or does that make it more complicating? I think it makes it more complicated, right? I think you'd want to put more time between the surgery and the trade deadline. And basically, what you, who knows if you haven't had, what, what, one or two days? If he's having the surgery today, you got three days, right? I mean, you'd rather it be two weeks, three weeks, and then say, okay, well, how's he doing? Do we think he's going to come back for the playoffs? What do we think he's going to do? 
you know, but I still think the Sixers almost have to be active because of those expiring contracts. I mean, I don't think you kind of let those assets burn if you don't make a deal this Thursday. Mike McGarry, Press of Atlantic City, PressofAC.com. Trade deadline Thursday. Michael, talk to you then, pal. All right, we'll see you down the road, guys. Thanks, Mike McGarry. Everybody from the Press of Atlantic City. It's it's perplexing, man. I I don't. I mean, I don't know what Daryl Morey does in this situation. Does he be aggressive? Does he sit? Does he stand pat? Does he just say? It's a lost year, and if we get Embiid back, we get him back, and we'll roll with this team. I mean, this was always a weird situation even with Embiid right. of whether they were going to make a trade or not because of all the assets they had in terms of contracts coming off the books. Yes. I think the only way you look at it if you're Daryl Morey is I can't overreact. I can't make a like a knee-jerk type of reaction to the Embiid injury. That That's all I know. All right, we'll get into the text on the other side. There's a ton of them. Yeah. 609-403-0973. What would you do if you're Daryl Morey? Text us right now. Uh, McMullen on the Eagles in the NFL at three. Football four. Devon Givens uh, covers the Sixers, PHLY in Philly. He's going to join us at 5 o'clock tonight. More Sports Bash on the way. 97.3 ESPN. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. What happens from this Embiid surgery could be one of the most important things in this trade deadline week. And that's because the Sixers are a team that have a lot of options. They have three tradable first-round picks. They have over $100 million in expiring contracts. And they have a belief that they, with Joel Embiid healthy, that they can compete. They would be an underdog against Boston right now, but Milwaukee is fading. That was Brian Windhorst this morning. The state of the Sixers. Joel Embiid will go under the knife. Left meniscus. We don't know to the extent, though. It ain't good. Best case scenario, I, 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 I would say best case scenario is they're in that six to eight week range. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I just agree. a guess, just a guess. No, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. D- didn't he have this exact injury in 2017 though, as well? And he was shut down for the year. This is the injury. Well, that year he tore the meniscus. Okay. So he missed the rest of the whole year. Well, I don't know that he tore the meniscus. I think it was the same thing. It definitely was 2017. That was the year he was a rookie. Right. And they and were... they actually exceeded expectations, and they were like getting close to the eighth seed, and then yeah. he got hurt, and he ended up not playing the rest of the year. So he could have been on the six- to eight-week situation, and they just were like, look, this, yeah, we're, not you know, we're not playing him. Right. So, yes, he did have the same knee situation. Now, last year, he had a meniscus injury, but it was not debilitating enough to put him out. Like, there's NFL players who have meniscus injuries, and they're back in, like, two weeks Yeah, sometimes. They get a quick cleanup, and if it's, like, frayed, they just kind of, like, clip some stuff. Yeah, they just sort of go in there with, like, a broom and and sweep up. It's not like a full... Yeah, they just, like... You know, the way, like, it's like there's a little piece that just kind of flaps around, and sometimes it gets stuck, like, in your knee when you walk. And if it gets stuck in, like, between the knee, there's little frayed parts. They just kind of snip them up and clear it up, and then it just takes the healing of the incision is basically what ends up happening. We don't know the extent of the fraying. We don't know the extent of what the incision will look like to have to get in there. They might get in there and see that there's more than the MRI showing. You sound like a doctor right now, man. You sound like 
I think I need it done to my knee. I just don't want to accept it. <laughs> is, is that is that uh, what we're stumbling upon? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. A couple text messages here. Blessing in disguise. A B gets gimpy knee fixed and is 100% for the playoffs and voids the injury that would have had in four to six weeks. If that's the case. No. I don't. <laughs> I respect the optimism. I don't know how you can look at it as a, a blessing in any type of way. Mike, I'm not trying to sound Negadelphian, but I didn't see any good outcome of this. Philly needs a fierce rebounder, a Bobby Portis, a John Collins, Andre Drummond type. They needed that even when they had JoJo healthy. But dumping Harris to get that is not the answer either because he shines when JoJo's off the court. Come playoff time, any first-round matchup will be bad for Philly. Knicks and Cavs are sneaky good. I agree. I think the Knicks can can win the East. Oh, that's what I was saying earlier is that you're not better. If you stay afloat and you're the five – Okay, you've stayed afloat. You've done your part. The five, you're. I don't think you're going to beat the four. I don't think you're going to beat the three, as constructed, without Embiid. Correct. Yeah. Even I, with agreed. Embiid coming back after oh, well, sitting out for six to eight weeks, that could be a challenge. Absolutely. Like right now, you're playing the Knicks, and Knicks have home court. <laughs> well, that's another problem. If you're the five or the six, you're going to be the underdog. You're going to be the the road team. In those games. So now you're in a situation where, okay, Embiid's back after not playing for six to eight weeks. Let's say you didn't add anything. You just got Joel Embiid back to this team. And now you're playing the Knicks. You're not winning that series. No. The the best path for the Sixers, regardless, is six. You play Cleveland as the three. And in the second round, you play Milwaukee instead of Boston. But I'm not going to sit here and say they can even do that. So. Uh, seeing Joel have 50, 70-point games is great, but all the blame lies in allowing JoJo to go full bore early in the season. Now, this is an interesting conversation. So he literally shot himself in the leg by going hard early in the season. So now we're asking guys not to play 100%. It, right. Now, Listen to that state. It's That's the Don't problem. play 100% because these games – like, this is where we are in sports now. now fans, it's ridiculous. Now flame, fans blame you because you're playing 100%. Right, like you're, 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 you care too much. I mean, what world do we live in? Gents, I was really enjoying the season. It's definitely for sure. Player like Alex Caruso would be a nice pickup if Embiid were healthy, but now none of the players you mentioned make any sense. Stay the courts, make no moves. Hopefully he gets healthy, and somehow miraculously it comes together in the playoffs. All the very least, <laughs> lots of options and cap space in the offseason. See, that's the thing, Phil. We don't know if Maury looked at this team and said, this team's been a surprise, let them play together, and we're going to take our – Big splash in the offseason. Yeah. Or was he saying, this team's been a surprise, and we're going to add to it? And how does the injury change that? Right? Like, do, do you say, you know what, we're going to bring Embiid back, we're going to try and make a splash in the next week, and we're bringing Embiid back at 70%. Yeah, but I'm just saying, even if Embiid's healthy right now, we we still didn't know whether Maury was going to be all in at the deadline to help this team out. Right. Now that Embiid's out for an extended period of time, does Maury say, well, I wasn't going to do anything anyway. Now I'm definitely, now I'm definitely not. not. Yeah. Or, well, I owe it to this group. They played so hard. I got to go do something for them. Yeah, like show I got their back and we're still contending. And but... if it beat comes back, now we have another piece. Exactly. And what's out there? And what is it going to cost? Like, that, that matters. That's a huge factor. The price. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Plenty more on this uh, Joel Embiid situation. We got uh, 
Devon Givens coming up at 5 o'clock tonight. We'll talk to him about what he thinks is next for the Sixers now that Joel Embiid will miss a, a, I mean, minimally four weeks. On the on the best, 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 best case scenario, he would be out only four weeks. That's not going to happen. No. Worst case, he's out for the year. Yeah. There's got to be something in between. Who knows? That's tonight at 5 o'clock with Devon Givens from PHLY Philly. That's all coming up here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. The one thing you don't want to do is go out and get multiple players here without Embiid on the court because then how do you, how do they fit in long term? Now that's not to say guys who are on short term contracts that still gives them flexibility here. Um, but Philadelphia is in a, a lot different situation than they were a month ago when, you know, we probably could pencil them in as a top three seed in the, in the Eastern Conference. Bobby Marks on the Sixer situation. By the way, one of our great listeners and texters, Phil. We just had Hanya and Kevin stop by, Phil. Where are you? Phil D. Where are you at? Where are you at, Phil? MIA. Yeah, Hanya and Kevin said hello. We just read his text message, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Kevin. Uh, Kevin's the dog, by the way, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in case you didn't know. <laughs> oh, man. That's great. I, I. So that Bobby Marks audio, once again, I'll say I don't know what's out there. Like, oh, you don't want to make a trade because you don't know how the pieces are going to fit. Dude, this Sixers team is as deep as it's ever been. You lose and beat, it's a problem. Yeah, but it's one of those teams. I mean, I know you were a little higher. And listen, I I, I want to be like, I, could they win a championship? Sure. I'm not saying that they just definitively couldn't. Do I feel like they would be the favorite? No. I don't know that you're saying that. I no. think you think that you believe that they could win. No, well, I don't. My expectation is not that they win a champion. My expectation was the best this team could do. Like, I would be disappointed if they didn't make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think this team could get there. I don't think they're better than Boston. I do think they could beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series if they're healthy and everything's going their way and everything plays out. The problem is, right now, I don't know what the hell to expect. No Embiid. I, I was on the national show on Friday night. Yeah, how was that? It was fine. Okay. I was very deflated. Though. I mean, that's pretty cool. I think cool. you could hear it in my voice. Yeah, all right. So maybe um, not, not your best, but all right. But go I ahead. told the guy, they asked me the question, and I said, they're not winning a championship with Joel, without Joel Embiid, and they're not winning a championship without 100% Joel Embiid. Right. So if he comes back and he's like a half-assed version of Joel Embiid again, I get it. And 80% Joel Embiid's better than what you got. But we've already seen that if he's not 100%, they're not good enough. The only way the Sixers, to me, get as far as they can go, the best they can be, is with a 100% version of Joel Embiid. So if he's 80%, not good enough. Yeah, and what, like, what's 80%? Like, we all say it's 70%, 60%. You know, it's like, we don't, we don't know what that looks like. And you're right, Bob. I, I don't know what it looks like. No, all I don't. know is this. If Joel Embiid got through a whole season and he was playing like this and he got to the playoffs and this is the guy I have, they can go as deep as, as possible. They can win the title with Without that guy. This version that I saw for these games, if I get something any less than that, not winning. But here's the problem. We never get that guy. Like you, I know we don't know if this team can can come out the East. We don't know if they can win a championship. You said they're not um, better than Boston. I agree, 
But if you get the Joel Embiid that we've seen at his best and we get the guy that can turn a, a switch on that you need to turn on for the playoffs, then they can win a title. But the problem is we, we don't know if he can do it. And that's a major problem. That's a major issue. It's it's disheartening. It is deflating. It is it just absolutely any adjective that you can think of that makes you feel lousy about the standing of this team. Because, look, this is a weird team. The season started. There was not a lot of buzz. This team has let us down year after year after year after year. And then the James Harden thing. And all of that, it was like, here we go again. Another drama-filled offseason. Talk well, about how lucky they've gotten, too, out of all the dramas. Yeah. I mean, and all the drama it could have been something that held them back. The Simmons drama, you know, and, and ended up in the end, they, they persevered through that, ended up getting hardened, and, you know, they had some good runs at it, but fell short. This year with the Harden drama, it ended up actually making this team almost more interesting. Better. Um, but the season started. Not a lot of fanfare, not a lot of buzz. I'm, I'm tired of this team. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this team is kind of interesting. Look at Embiid. He's actually, because we're like, how much more can Embiid evolve his game? Well, he has. He's become a better passer. He's become even more deadly from the foul line. He has just added more elements to his game. And Maxi, that evolution. And then you got Maxi. Yeah. And this Maxi is like, there's just not a human being on planet Earth that could dislike that kid. No, he no, is the most likable human being I think you've ever seen in your life. And not only that, he becomes an all star. So now you've got this Embiid playing at a historic level. And then you have Maxi, the most likable player maybe in the history of Philadelphia sports. Yeah. And now, of course, everybody couldn't stand Doc Rivers, and you actually like the coach. This isn't the coach's fault. He's the problem. No, people actually like the coach. And then you make this trade, and you end up getting these three players that are all kind of like, huh, they all kind of fit. They all kind of, like, feel cool. Like So all of a sudden, this team was starting to be a team that you were ready to let your guard down a little bit and say, you know what? I'm having fun with this team. I'll give them another shot. And then this happens. This is a team, too, and they're always top in attendance, but I just saw they're third in the league in attendance once again. I was there Saturday, full house. Yeah. They're selling out. Energy's great. Maxie's top ten in jersey sales. He's ahead of Embiid. Ahead of Embiid, who's like 12th or 13th. I mean, once again, you got two stars. You got a full house. You have an MVP. And at the same time, you got nothing. (laughs) How, How insane is that? You got nothing. You got a kick in the cones. That's it. That's all you ever get with Joel Embiid. I'll tell you what. It's all you get. Um, There's so many peels of the onion here. Yeah. If you guys listening right now, if you're Daryl Morey, how would you play this? 609-403-0973. Would you make a trade to try to improve the team and then hope Embiid comes back? And now you have that other guy. Yeah. See, here's the problem. I don't think that trade exists. I was just saying, here's the problem. I don't think that trade exists. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that trade's out there. It's not out there. It's not out there. Like, Alex Caruso, if you want Alex Caruso, the price, I'm not talking money when I say price, what what you have to trade. They want two first-round picks for Alex Caruso. And I'm a big fan of Caruso, but I'm sorry. I'm not giving up two first-round picks for that dude. One of the guys we heard so much, Zach Levine, he now is out for the year. Yeah. So that guy was probably that was a good the business. most <laughs> dynamic player. Now, I wasn't a big fan of the fit for him here, 
but he was probably the best overall player that you could have gotten, mm-hmm. and now he's out for the year. Right. So you take him off the list. I don't know that there is a player that is going to be traded that the Sixers can add that will keep them in like as constructed with Embiid healthy and Maxi and this team healthy. Like one of the problems the last week, they've been injured. I mean, they've got Batum hurt, Morris. I mean, uh, um, yeah, Maxi's dealing with the spring. Well, Harris has been sick. He yeah. didn't play Saturday. They've had a lot of guys out. And you're playing guys like K.J. Martin and Springer and Korkmaz are getting a lot of minutes. So if they were 100% with Embiid, I feel like the ceiling for them was getting that number two seed. Sure. I feel like they could have got the two seed. They could have surpassed Milwaukee and got the two seed. Absolutely. I don't know that they could. I don't think no. they could do that now. Unless no. could they get a player – that I'm saying, I don't think there's a player that they can add to this team right now in a trade that without Joel Embiid will come into this team and form a Maxi Harris, this guy, and get them to the number two seed. Yeah, but then you would be giving up a lot, most likely, for that significant of a shift, and you don't have Embiid. So it doesn't make sense, right? Like, you're not going to make a, 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 big splash where you have to give up a bunch of your key rotational pieces and draft capital without Embiid because then you have no idea what that looks like in April so if you're if you're Daryl Morey it doesn't make sense well Jimmy Butler I don't listen like all the stuff that's going on in Miami I would do trade like a like a Tobias Harris and a Rocco for a Jimmy Butler. That would match the salary. Here's my question. Did Pat Riley get really stupid overnight? <laughs> no, but, say, no, no but here's he my exp- point. He accepts that. Okay, you, you listen to my point. Did Pat Riley say, we have maxed out with Butler? This team's a mess now. This, this Miami team's a mess, right? For now. Okay. Harris is an expiring contract. I can get that contract off my books. So is Rocco. That clears up $45 million in cap space for us. Mm-hmm. And we've now moved on from, from Butler. Like, we yeah. had great runs with Butler. He got us to a finals. He was amazing for us. Right. But two finals, actually. Yeah. Um, there's obviously issues going on down there. Mm-hmm. They're not very good. Let's just let's clear our hands and we'll we'll take the cap space. Butler has not, one more year left on his deal before the player option hits in the 25-26 season, in which he would be 36. He's 34 right now. Mm-hmm. So, you're, I mean, it's right. It's a good point. Miami's going to have to start weighing I've their future research. with Butler. And then They're same Danny thing Ryan. with Philadelphia, too. <laughs> I mean, if you acquire a guy like Jimmy Butler, you're saying you're all in. You don't care about the age of Butler, but he will be 35 next season. So, I mean, the price of which you're willing to give up for him changes based on his age, based Absolutely. on his production 100%. Miami you're, doesn't you're, do it. You're taking a chance that Maxi now coming into an all-star, that Butler is now like a third guy, but mm-hmm. a, like and him and Embiid get along. Yeah. Can be a second guy when you need him to late in games. So now you would have a Embiid, Maxi, Butler trio for the next two seasons. And you're saying to Joel, we're taking our best two swings with you, Butler, and Maxi, and then we have cap space because you're still going to lose the Batum Morris contracts, mm-hmm. so you'd be able to add like another player. Well, they're not going to accept that bare bones. So, how many first round picks do you think you'd have to give up to spice up the deal? Oh, I Multiple. 
at least a two, right? I do the trade for Butler. It's not happening. I think you will. Well, it's not happening. I will say this. You know, um, there were some betting odds, and that the Sixers were like number two. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. I'm yeah. just, you know, obviously it's just conversation. No, sure. But I, like, if you, my point is, if you're Daryl Morey, are you at a point now where you're trying to think outside the box and saying, I wouldn't have made this call before, right? But I got to do it now. I, I think if you can get a star name and a star player, you do it. Like because Miami like, right now is twenty six and twenty four. They are the eighth seed. That's right. Where they have <laughs> lost eight out of the last ten. It's right where they want to be. <laughs> they love that eight seed, baby. Yeah, yeah, Rule like, us out. How many times? Just a ticket to the dance. It's like Shit. the Phillies. Like, how many times can you keep being the wild card and think you're going to beat the Braves? No, in the NBA, never. Right. right. Like that. So if you're the Heat, do you look at yourself and say, we got an aging Jimmy Butler. Look, we're around 500 again. Maybe we take the expiring. Oh, and by the way, getting Tobias Harris, not that he's Jimmy Butler, but it's not like you're getting a stiff. You're still taking a, a you're, you're still getting a shot <laughs> compared to Jimmy Butler. I you're got getting, you. I'm you're just getting saying. a stiff, dude. I, I, I but got part you. of the reason you're saying they might be interested in him is so they can get him off the books. Yeah, so okay. I don't think it's they have a clear, interest in it's not, yes. a, it's not I'm trading for Tobias Harris because I think it's a, of course. it's a swap of player for player. That's it's, just not how, how Riley operates. I, getting, I get it. I'm getting a player, well, it is how Riley operates. If you remember, when they knew that they had all those uh, the free agent class coming up, they cleared out all their cap space to go out and get LeBron and, and Bosch and yeah. all those guys. They saw the right on the wall. Now, do they look at it and say, "Look, if we get Rocco, because Rocco makes like eleven million, and Harris is like thirty eight million something around thirty five million. Yeah, You're 36. being able to clear out like forty five million bucks off your books. Yeah. You can be a player next year in, in the offseason. I don't know the free agent class next year off the top of my it's head. It's not it's not great. Tobias Harris is nearly making forty million dollars on a cap hit this season. Yeah. Thirty nine two seventy. Yeah. So if you're Miami and you have to match salary. What does Butler make? He makes like forty-five himself. But I, I thought I just saw thirty-six point seven five, but I have to pull that back up. So Jimmy Butler's cap hit this season is forty-five yeah, million dollars. Wow, forty-five. 45. Okay. See, I did the research. Wait. <laughs> Next season, it's forty-eight million dollars, nearly forty-nine. It's forty-eight. Well, why do I see thirty-seven point six five here for twenty twenty-three? I, I thought it was forty-five. I I, I, okay. I did the trade machine. And put that exact deal in. Mm-hmm. Either and way, it's a lot. It was like 45 for Butler and like 45 or so if you pair Rocco and Tobias up. That yeah. matches. You could throw in. I don't think you have to give them a first-round pick. You're the one taking on the salary. You're giving them the salary relief. You might throw them a second-round pick or something. Or yeah. if they like K.J. Martin or Springer, you might say, we'll give you a young player to add to that mix. But I don't think you have to be the team that says, look, we're taking him off your hands because, Miami, you're in a compromised situation. You're the eighth seed, and you've lost eight out of ten. I just – Pat Riley has done it in the past. Pat Riley's closing in on 80 years old. I don't think he has another let's clear our books and let's try and go get three superstars in two to five years. I think he says, I have Butler. I'm going to try and max out my checking account right. and my and my checkbooks to try and add a piece, if anything. That's your- why I think if he were to move Butler, I'm sorry, Josh, I think it would take two first-round picks to say, like, all right, we're waving the white flag, we're giving up on the Jimmy Butler era, but we're going to build for the future. The expiring contracts are nice if he wants to keep competing and get, you know, some marquee player in free agency, but I think 
Maybe not two, maybe one, depending on. Yeah, but you just contradicted the, what the he dead said. Value. Yeah, and and you're saying give me draft picks. You know, he's 80 years old. He don't want draft. Well, picks. he will want draft picks to use in a trade. That's that, the only yes. way he wants draft picks. He wants multiple first round draft picks. If he's waiting, because that's what it takes Butler. to trade for a superstar. Yes. He's not going to use those to rebuild that program. That's no, my I don't point. expect him to use them. But I think he just wants them in the trade as chips to be able to use whichever which way he prefers. Mm. Yeah. To let you guys know, some of the free agents for. As Ryan said, 2024 is not deep, but the significant names are, and you guys Ron. react to each one. You ready? Pascal Siakam. Meh. Nah. James I Harden. Mean, Pascal's a good player, but Great I player. Mean, uh, James Harden's not uh, moving the needle. I mean, what? another. he's having a good season, in, but I mean, I can't imagine that uh, you're, and you might ask the same question for the Sixers. Well, if you're getting all this cast space, who are you going after? Continue. Uh, Clay Thompson. Too old. I like Clay. I like him as a secondary, third, tertiary yeah, player. I think I like him as a third player. I, listen, Maxie's an all-star. You still have Embiid. And I look at the Sixers' needs is a guy that's been there, a guy that's going to come into the locker room, be a leader. He has championship in his DNA. I'm not that's saying what they no. Need. I'm just saying How many years would you give him? If you can get him on like a, 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 a much different deal than where he's at now. I'll give him a two-year deal with a uh, team option the second year. What's the window to win with Embiid right now? I'm not giving that window more than two or well, three years. years he has on his deal. Right, but I'm saying if you have to overpay for a guy to try and win during that window, I think you do it. That's who, else you, who else you got? Got DeMar DeRozan. No. Buddy Heald. No. no. If I have to hear Buddy Heald's name I know. connected to the Sixers <laughs> one more time. My goodness. Uh, also, D'Angelo Russell. No. No. Not one of those guys I have any interest in. So no. we're back to the trade market. Isn't LeBron a free agent? No, he's he's uh, locked in for one more year. I felt like he had an option. Not that something. I'm just – I just thought he was yeah. – uh, so I was wondering if this was like an update because I thought he was – Maybe he wants out of L.A. Well, Maybe the Sixers can trade for LeBron. That LeBron going on right now is very – he's like trying to get traded while also trying to have the Lakers pony up big time. Right. Like he's trying to it, – it's a weird situation. But well, LeBron – Okay, LeBron's part of a crazy 2025 list. I mean, the 2025 list might as well you might as well build like an NBA 2K team off of this thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, and Bean's not going to have any kneecaps by the time we get to 2025. So <laughs> don't lay LeBron a year away. Also, LeBron will also be 40 by that point. Yeah. By the way, Embiid is signed fully through 2026. He has a player option for 2026, 2027. Hmm. So that's your window. Yeah. Why you have him signed? You have to figure out. You have Man. to figure out how to get a legit player in here in the next, really in the next six to twelve months, right? Well, that's the like the whole idea of what's going on right now. They traded Harden, and then in return they got three expiring contracts who all make good money. Like Rocco, people don't realize Robert Covington makes like eleven million dollars. Yeah, he makes a lot of money. Marcus for... Morris makes good money. Nick Batum, they all make decent money. So the three of them collectively make a very good amount of money. And then you got the Tobias Harris expiring contract. The problem as I hear it right there is, fine, I've just cleared out all that cap space to sign one of those guys? I, I'm with you. Pascal Siakam? Well, no. By the way, I doubt this happens, but all three of LeBron, Kawhi, and Paul George have a player option in which they can opt out of their contract this offseason. It's for a lot of money, so I doubt they do it. LeBron, 51 mil. Kawhi, 50 mil. 
almost, well, and then Paul George. We've seen many goal. guys opt out when they think they're going to get more. Right. I mean, it's possible. I'm just saying I think it's less likely, uh, especially for Kawhi and Paul George. They just went big and got James Harden if he decides to return to L.A. But those are three bigger names that could hit the market if they so choose. They might make a, a legit title run this year anyway, and that could right. change a lot of things. But you look at Marcus Morris. He's the third highest payer on uh, third highest paid player on the Sixers this year. Another name, Drew Holiday with a $37 million player option. OG Ananobi, player option. Yeah, the guys with the player option are always interesting because you only opt out if you believe you're going to get paid more than you're yeah. currently getting. Right. Right. And that's why the whole thing with James Harden was so weird was that we're saying you only opt out of the deal if you think you're going to get more money someplace else. Well, he, that's why he opted back into the deal because he didn't think he was going to get more money. So he opted in to the Sixers. Yeah, and then he allegedly got screwed over by, you know, D-Money, but... D-Money. It's a different combo. 609-403-0973. Yeah, I, the, the problem the Sixers have now backed themselves into is you have all this expiring contract, but not a key free agent that really... I mean, do you think Pascal Siakam who just, by the way, got traded to Indiana. And one of the reasons he got traded to Indiana is because apparently he wanted to go to Indiana. He wanted to play yeah. with Miles Turner. I mean... Did you see that report? It was yeah. like, apparently Miles Turner's perfect for my game. Wanted to play with T.J. McConnell yeah. really badly. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> here's the here's the way I look at it here. No, no names, as we all just went through, move the needle. At some point, you have to say, do you trade Embiid before his contract expires? I know that's a hot take. I know no one wants to have that conversation. But if you're a front office exec, a.k.a. Maury, I, you? I will say this. I don't think there's any scenario that I would come to terms with that. And I'll tell you why. Because I have to, I certainly acknowledge that he has a run of misfortune. But I have to imagine that that cannot continue, and that if I get him on his best season, I don't care if it's once, that that season is good enough and gives me the best chance to win over any other scenario you're going to give me. Aren't we in the back nine of this dude's career, though? That's fine. Like, how many more years can we kick the can down the road with Joel Embiid? One or two? Maybe. Um, Maybe. Maybe. See, I thought you were going to give the reason of, the revenue and the business side of it. Like, Embiid is just bringing in too much value for this organization for them to say, all right, we're going to trade this dude. You would have to blow me away with an option that makes me say, all right, now I'll consider it. I, I mean, I, I agree with that, but I think it should be a conversation. Like, I'm not in position to say... Yeah, I'm going to trade Joel Embiid for multiple first four. You probably have to get four first round picks at least, minimum. And then what kind of like salary has to match? Mm-hmm. And then Joel makes tremendous money. By the way, for tonight's matchup against the Mavericks, Kyrie Irving with his thumb injury and Luka Doncic with his ankle injury have both been upgraded to available for the 76ers. So the Sixers get one of the 23 times the duo has played together this season. Oh. Probably a loss tonight if they're playing on their top game. They, looked, they were never in the game Saturday and looked disinterested throughout. <laughs> the best part of that game was it was Franklin's birthday and the Sacramento Kings mascot 
the Lion, whatever his name was, had me laughing the whole night. Wow. But Turk Smith, 17 exactly. points in like nine yeah. minutes. My girlfriend's son said, why'd they wait so long to put this guy in the game? Right? <laughs> he was traded three from all over the place. Uh, five from Danny Rise coming up next on the Sports Pass live on 97.3 ESPN. We have the purse sitting in traffic. You come with me. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hi, 3.30 Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Time for five from Danny Rides, brought to you by the Gallery Bar Book and Games at Ocean Casino Resort. Go to the gallery, go to Ocean, go for the win for more, visit OceanAC.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mike and Ryan, it's time for today's edition of 5 from Danny Rye. All right, let's get right into it. We're starting with the topic that has dominated essentially the entire show so far today. It was announced last night by Woj that Joel Embiid will undergo a procedure this week to repair a left meniscus injury that he suffered last Tuesday against the Warriors. As when you guys said, Jonathan Kaminga landed on his already sore left knee. An exact timeline is expected after the procedure is complete, but it's anticipated that Embiid will miss an extended period of time. So my question for you both is, if you're Daryl Morey in the 76ers, and I know you've been talking about there's no just obvious trade you'd make, but you're going to be forced to make a hypothetical trade here. Would you make a move before February 8th's deadline to keep the team afloat while Embiid returns? And if so, who would that be, and how much would you give up? Yeah, I... Got, I mean, if you wouldn't make a trade, just say that. You don't have to do a hypothetical one, but if you would, give no, me a player. This No is my immediate response um, because I said this to Gil earlier. I, I just, if you're Daryl Morey, I don't think you pull a knee-jerk reaction. I don't think you make a trade just to make a trade here. I don't know every player that could be or is available, but that's my initial thought. No. All right. Gil? Before you go the hypothetical, just say no. I got you. I don't see a trade that I've heard any players that are rumored to be available that makes this team without Joel Embiid. Now, you tell me Joel Embiid's healthy and playing. Yeah, okay, if I add... But that's why you say no, right? Because Embiid's out. Like, what do you... I'm conflicted on whether they can add another player who is a secondary player and becomes, like, the third guy that could make it all work when Embiid comes back. There's only one guy for me. Only one. And he's been floated around in the rumors earlier in the season, not so much as of late, because Utah would be asking for a lot for him. But Laurie Markkinen, he's averaging 24 points a game, almost 23 and a half, shooting almost 50% from the field, 40% from three, with just about nine rebounds and two assists a game. I mean, that what guy. What would that cost, though? It would cost a lot. It would probably cost three first round picks, expiring yeah. contracts. You'd he's be a okay rising with that? superstar in the league. I don't know. Three first I mean, like, picks. I think that's a guy who could fit with Joel Embiid. I do, too. He could be a stretch four. So you'd be building for the future and committing to a contract. Uh, and probably I like Laurie Markkinen. I'm a big fan. I've, I've floated his name out there a bunch in the past. I'm, I'm a I big think fan. If just... you can get the, if you can get Laurie Markkinen and pull this trade off without giving up the Clippers' first-round pick at 28, that would be ideal. I, I know you're not. I know you're not now. planning for the future. If you're the 76ers, you want to go for right now. But that pick, I think, is going to be really valuable, and they'll probably ask for it. Somebody texted in earlier an interesting trade. I mean, I don't want to be like fantasy basketball trades here, but it actually wasn't like off the wall bonkers. It was, yeah, dog, we'll go bonky. Uh, Laurie Markkinen and Jordan Clarkson for Tobias Harris and draft picks. 
don't know if they'd give up both. I mean, I, I mean, it sounds good, but once again, what if the draft picks are three first rounders? I, I have to lean with no. the Jazz right now are twenty five and twenty six. They're tenth, so they're right on the precipice of being out of the play in. Do they just say they stink? Let's get the Harris contract. See, now the Sixers are in that situation where I think they have to reevaluate what their thoughts were on Harris. Like, because now other teams value Harris's contract. If the Sixers, though, have Harris's contract, you've made it this far with right. the Harris contract. But the problem is the free agent class doesn't excite me at all. So what if I took a player like Marketing, who's better than any player I'm getting in free agency? Sounds great, but you're not. That's not just a, a switch. You're not just unloading to bias for marketing. Uh, there's a lot more that's attached to that. Well, and he mentioned Clarkson, who I would take both of those guys for the salary situation. Yes. The question is, you you would have to include that Clippers pick, which I don't know. Do you say Laurie Marketing is the perfect third guy to pair with Embiid and Maxi for the next? This goes back to you have Embiid signed through what 26 27 26 27 i believe is that what it is josh okay so you have 24 25 25 26 26 27 you have three more seasons do you want to say we're going to take the next three seasons with maxi and bead and laurie marketing you'll have to pay him next summer he's an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 25 so but he's a young guy yeah that's my point is you're getting another young Player who you don't mind locking up long term as like the, yeah, but the, he's twenty six right now. He may walk. You're giving up your twenty eight Clippers first round pick. Like that's. I think if you're talking that value though, and it's not always that easy. I mean, teams it, they would love it this way every time. But if you're talking that value in a trade, let's say they want Toby Springer and another piece expiring, you'd probably be like, all right, we need to talk to Laurie and figure out some sort of even just his five, his temperature on signing an extension with Philadelphia. He might not agree to it before he's traded, but that has to be talked about 100%. Yeah, I mean, it's a big hypothetical, but if you told me Markin is a player I definitely like, and the reason I like him is because he's young, and I view him as part of my potential future. And I know I said potential, because he is a free agent coming up right. down the road, but there is no perfect scenario here. Like, no. I either go after this guy and say, look, I'm going to bring you to Philadelphia. It's going to be you, Maxi, and Embiid. You're the three. This guy's already been in Chicago. He's already been in Utah. We found out. And he's, he's not, yes, and he's not the number one guy. You've got no. to accept the fact of who you are, buddy. Exactly. And you want to be that guy on a team with Maxi and Embiid. I'll take a four who could shoot 40 per, 40% from beyond the arc. I mean, that would fit in perfectly with Embiid. I, and I, I think Laurie Marketing, to me, a stretch four is what it's what the Sixers, like, it's what Embiid needs. Yeah, yeah for he's sure. a He would be a great fit with Embiid and Maxi for that matter, yeah. because he essentially would take over the Harris role, and he's a better player than Harris is. He's a better version of Batum. Like, Batum is a similar style of play. Tall, lanky, stretch four, can right. knock and down you the you see three. how, how Batum is flourishing. Right. But the problem is, Batum's an advanced age guy, and he's very one-dimensional. Laurie Marketing can do more than just sit in the corner and yes. shoot threes. He can put the ball on the floor. He can do other things, and he's, he's just a better player than, than right now. Yeah, I would have confidence going to Laurie Marketing if the shots aren't falling for Max here and Bede in a late-game situation. That's a guy where I wouldn't prefer to go to him, but you definitely trust him in that situation. I, I, I'm a big Laurie Marketing fan. I think he would be a great third option. 
I mean, I, if you could tell me that that's a deal that's out there, sure, I'm, I'm in on that. It. I don't know that there's another. Like, I liked OG Ananobi. Look what he's done for this Knicks team. And he's doing essentially the same exact thing he was doing in Toronto, but it's just how complete of a player he is and how he's kind of the glue of that offense and defense just propels the team. Yeah, he, and he's fine being the third or fourth guy. Right. He's a very good defensive player. It has completely changed the dynamics of that Knicks team. I would have loved if they were able to find a way to get him. Other than that, they've built that team really, really well, too, that Knicks team. I mean, they've decided everyone's zagging, we're going to zig. We're breaking well, in Thibs as the head coach. We're playing defense. We're going to win ugly. The fact that Brunson has turned into a all-star and above really changed the dynamic of For what they sure. Yeah. When they made that deal and got Brunson, you're not thinking he could be the lead player on a team. And maybe he can't, but he's pretty darn good. On man. that team, he can. And McGarry brought up an interesting point on Friday's show. He said, think about this. Those three Villanova guys all playing for the Knicks. That's what I was going to say. How well they all kind of fit their roles and mesh together. DiVincenzo, hard, you know. Yeah. If, if Mikael Bridges becomes officially available, and we got to move on after this, but I don't think that the Knicks would let him go to any other team. I think they'd throw the house to get Mikael Bridges and complete that, you know, the, the four Villanova thing. Villanova. <laughs> It'd be technically, what, they have four there right now for Villanova, right? Or is it three? Three. It's the three guys so that would play a lot. The four. Yeah. Archie Diakono never plays, but it's just cool to have him on that team around those guys. Uh, all right, number two. We go from positives and looking to brighter horizons to, well, the reality of the situation. we got to talk about the negatives here. So my question for you is, at what point, if at all, do you give up on the Joel Embiid experiment in Philadelphia? Would you consider a trade as early as next offseason if an offer blew you away following another failed Sixers season? I only do it if the offer blows me away, and I, I don't know what blows me away. I, I'm... Here's one of the problems I have. I am somewhat down on the draft. College basketball is so bad, and I get it. The G League Ignite, there's other ways, but I just can't trust that I'm going to get a player through the draft that is going to change the dynamics of my team. Where am I getting this guy from? I don't see a guy in college basketball that's going to knock me over. Here's the thing. All the players are in Europe. All the players we're no longer privy to. The game is at its best overseas, and we're not watching that. So I, there's probably a player out there. We just don't know. We don't know. It's possible, right. I mean, but, like, okay, the last drafted player. Now, I'm, I'm just going off the top of my head. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, real quick through drafts that I'm excited about that, like, came from, I mean, you got Gildas Alexander, you got Ant-Man, who's awesome. I mean, he might be the best player in the league in like two years. Yeah, he's a beast. But the point is, I mean, any trade for Embiid is going to blow you away, isn't it? I mean, that's an MVP. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, It's going to be a huge I'm offer. talking about like four, four first. Who has that? What about a player? What if it's, I don't, I don't know, what if it's a superstar? Like what if Barkley said the other night. There's five superstars in the league. Everybody else is like an all-star, like perennial all-star or like one-time all-star. There's so few guys that are at – when you're trading Joel Embiid, you're talking about a superstar. Superstar. Yeah. I would He's say, on the next level. Yeah. It's like Giannis. It's Luka. 
superstars in their prime. I'm excluding that's LeBron another thing, and right? Curry. LeBron and Durant, those guys are kind of past the point of yeah. you're giving up major, major hauls for. Right. And Beach, right at the end of you're getting them. And, and, and now you're getting to the point where you might not even get the major, major haul like a year or two from now. No, I think, I think that's fair. All right, moving on to number three. Let's talk a little bit about the NFL Pro Bowl games. They have come and gone with notable moments involving Jason Kelsey and the emotionless Jalen Hurts having the time of their lives smiling in Orlando. So my question for you guys, or not really a question, more of a demand, give the NFL Pro Bowl games a grade on a scale from 1 to 10, factoring in the product of the game and the events leading up to the game, uh, along with how much the, the how much fun the players seem to be having during Pro Bowl weekend. I got two uh, uh, observations. I didn't watch any of it, but it was on... <laughs> I saw a bunch of social media. It was on like where I was yesterday in the background. The first observation I said to my cousin was... How the hell did this many people buy tickets for this thing? That's, my dad said the same thing to me. The stadium was full. Like, who's I'm going like, to that who's game? Who's going to this? The other option was I didn't watch it all because I had zero, less than zero interest in a flag football game. I have no interest in a flag football game. None. I didn't have any interest in the Pro Bowl game when it was played. That's I have less interest now in a flag football game. It's a shame because I don't think there's anything they can do. I give them two points for trying. Yeah. Like, they gave him a golf club. They put him out on the golf course, and they gave him a, a seven-iron. I care? I don't give a damn. Darius Slay I, exactly. can, can get closest to the pin. I agree. Which, They're playing dodgeball. terrible. Which I could... I can give two bleeps about right. So oh, the, I, the, I give it a one. The mascots yeah. played dodgeball against uh, in the, for Franklin's birthday the other night. It and they brought terrible. out the Philly fanatic. Yeah, it sounds terrible. I mean, I just I don't know what the answer is, Danny Ryan. But like to make it better, I don't know what what that looks yeah. like. But it's a one, dude. I have zero interest. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm going to be generous and give it about a four, maybe a five, just because I love seeing these players that are all stressed out for the entire season, especially if they're on contending teams, just letting loose, having fun, and, and overall just, like, having chemistry with each other. Like, they're enemies the entire season, and then they're, like, best friends during this one weekend. It's yeah. really cool to see, and especially, like I mentioned earlier, the emotionless Jalen Hurts smiling, lining up as a receiver on trick plays, trying to catch balls from CeeDee Lamb. Like, it's cool to That's see. That's just what you need, though. Your quarterback right. on a trick play right. out there tearing his ACL. He's already yeah. got a bum knee right now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only thing missing right now in the headlines. Oh, He's, I said, I'm waiting for the day that the guy tears his ankle, uh, tears his uh, knee up or right. snaps his ankle, making a cut on a flag football game. Yeah, I didn't love that part of it with how much effort he was exerting. Like It looked like he wasn't hurt after all, but obviously... You know, who knows? But, uh, yeah, that's that, that could end ugly eventually. All right, number four. According to Bob Nightingale of USA Today, he views the Phillies as a possible sleeper team to pounce on two of the hottest names on the MLB free agent market, those names being former Ranger left-handed starter Jordan Montgomery, along with left-handed slugger and 2019 NL MVP Cody Bellinger. Mike and Rye, if you could only sign one of those guys and were forced to choose between the two, which the Phillies will likely have to do, are you signing Bellinger or Montgomery? I know this sounds a little crazy, but I'd probably go Bellinger. Why does that sound crazy? Well, I mean, I think pitching wins, and, like, I think that they could use another starter. 
but definitely could use another start. I think Bellinger, now Bellinger's a weird situation. He had three really bad years in L.A., like terrible years. 2020, you could consider an outlier, maybe at a 239. The year after that, 95 games, a 165 batting average. 2022, a 210 batting average and 144 yeah, games. Terrible. Only played 130 with the Cubs last year. Well, then last year, right, he comes out of nowhere, though, and hits like 320-something bombs, oh, 20 yeah. stolen bases, 350 on base, and he hit left-handed pitching. And he's a gold glove level center fielder. Like, the one area on this team where I'm still like, okay, they haven't done anything offensively is, are you playing Rojas in center? Are you playing Rojas in center every day? And Marsh and Pache platooning in left. Like, what does that outfield situation look like? It's the same. you got to give me something to that lineup that's that's giving me something else. And Bellinger, I know he's another left-handed bat, and that's another problem. (laughs) But he did hit lefties last year. But I'll take my shot of playing Bellinger in center field every day, Marsh and Pache exclusively platooning in left field. And to me, that's a better team than the one that left the field last year. Otherwise, like if you give me Jordan Montgomery, my lineup is still the same. And I feel like, why not great? I still have Wheeler, Nola, and Ranger Suarez. I have those three guys in a playoff series, and that puts me up against pretty much everybody. Christopher Sanchez, I'm going to take a shot that he has developed even more, and that gives me a fourth guy. Big shot. And I got Taiwan Walker still signed. So I have five legitimate starters. Jordan Montgomery comes in. Well, now who gets bumped? Is it Sanchez? Is it Walker? Not that I'm complaining that I have another great arm. Yeah. But I like Sanchez more than I like Walker. Well, Sanchez well you're paying Walker. Sanchez throughout know, his career right is that. statistically a better starter than he is a reliever. He's got like a mid-4 ERA as a reliever and a mid-3 ERA Well, let's be honest. Sanchez has been so erratic. Last year, he came out of nowhere and was yeah. fantastic. Of course. I'm just saying. But if know. I had him for a full year now, I said, I would say I'll take my chance with Sanchez and Bellinger over Montgomery and Rojas. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I disagree. I mean, for me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be upset if they go out and get Bellinger. But if I have to pick between the two, I think you go out and get an arm. Hey, then you just you relieve some tension and stress of of your starting rotation and just overall on the mound, right? I think that's just that's a benefit to have an extra arm. And if one of those guys goes down, Nola, Wheeler, Suarez, you still have a guy. But, like, you still have a ton of pop in your lineup right now as currently constructed. Well, I still, in the back of my mind, I still have Mick Abel, you know. Yeah, he's a buddy of spring training. We'll see what he can turn into. And yeah. I can still make moves somewhere, but I don't know that I can get a bat as impactful as Bellinger True. during the trade market. I'll say this. I'm in the Bellinger camp if they had to choose between the two. A 6'4", like Mike said, gold glove center fielder. The dude missed 32 games and came three RBIs short of 100 on the season. Stole 20 bases, batted 307, 26 bombs, as Mike mentioned, with 150-plus hits, missing 32 games. That would change the dimension of your lineup completely. I'm fine putting Rojas on the bench for more depth because, oh, oh yeah, by the way, they have no depth on their bench whatsoever. Like, not even a... Well, a I think sh- they would put Rojas to AAA and let him just play. I, who knows, though? Maybe they platoon with Marsh against left-handed pitching. Well, it, I, 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 but I think they would use Pache 
because they think of Rojas as a center fielder. All right. Well, you but know, yeah, or the regardless, bench, I think he would go to the bench. I think he would go to AAA. Pache would yeah. be the platoon guy. And then if somebody got hurt, you have Rojas kind of yeah. lingering. But I choose yeah, Bellinger I, because Montgomery doesn't log a lot of innings. I mean, and he really hasn't been healthy throughout the history of his career aside from last season when he pitched 31. So I would go Bellinger. Game changer for me. Depending on which one you get, though. Three really bad seasons like you talked about, Mike. All right. Uh, by the way, he was really good before those three bad seasons. Yes, very good. It just kind of fell off the face of the year. I won an MVP. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a great MVP season. He clubbed, if not 50, close to 50 home runs. Uh, my fifth and final question, it's a simple one, a quick one. With Joel Embiid's MVP chances dwindling and, let's just say it, officially deceased, who do you think will end up winning MVP once it's all Well, they are done? deceased because he's not going to play 65 games. Yes. So he is officially Not done. officially, but yes. By the way, the Sixers the without Embiid, they have, it doesn't matter, even if Embiid did play, they have the 12th most difficult schedule remaining. Awesome. They play... <laughs> Boston once, the Clippers twice, Cleveland three times, the Knicks three times, the Bucks twice, Oklahoma City. Not a fun no. schedule coming up. When it rains, it pours. They're what four and ten without Embiid this year too, with that tough schedule. It's trouble. But uh, all right, to Danny Rye's question, who do I like to win MVP? Jokic. Yeah, I mean. It has to be Jokic. I mean, SGA has been an absolute stud. They're not going to give him the, the award, though. Um, Luka, you have to throw out there. But I would say it's Jokic's award to lose right now. See, if I had to choose. He's the favorite right now, by the way, yeah, is Jokic. Yeah. I mean, he passed to beat because it beat done. But right. it's basically, according to the betting odds, a two-man race with it beat and Jokic. And now with it beat out, he would almost say it's a runaway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had to choose right now, I'd go Luca, but his odds are so low because he's missed so much time this year. He's entering MB territory as far as not qualifying for the award. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Jokic. I mean, Shea is a great story. I'd love for it to be him. Unbelievable breakout, but Jokic is the easy pick, and, you know, what's, the stats back it up. What's Dallas right now in the stand? Where are they at well, in the standings? As I mentioned earlier with Kyrie and Luca playing tonight, those two haven't played a lot. Only It's going to be their 23rd time uh, they're tonight. Like so they're floating around 500. Yeah, they, you can't be eighth and get the award either. Too. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah they're they're eight. Um, well, what about uh, Edwards? I mean, Minnesota's the well, they were the one seed. I, I think that's more than valid. I think he should be in that conversation if they finish top two in the West. He, he might be my winning. favorite player in the league right oh, now. I love Anthony Edwards. We're talking winning. Shea Gilgis is Thunder tied with the T Wolves for first in the West. Yeah, they're the two guys. I mean, but I, I he has a legit chance. Yeah. All right, that was five with Danny Rye. There you go. Very disheartened today. <laughs> ah, it's just typical, is it not? This mood, <laughs> these emotions. Uh, how about Cliff Kingsbury? That whole story. He's now the new Washington offensive coordinator. The enemy was there. They kind of ran him out of town. Jeez. So Cliff Kingsbury is in Washington. So I said this the other day. The Sixers coaching staff has been together longer than any offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, coach in the NFC East. How about that? Nick Sirianni, Kellen Moore, and Vic Fangio are the most senior <laughs> coordinator coaching group in the whole division. NFC least. Gotta love it. We're Sports Bash. Football at four is on the way. City 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. 
It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. Uh, it's, uh, the fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. And Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's brought to you by Bet365, whatever the moment, whatever the sport. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast is here. You can get the podcast on all podcasting platforms and check out the YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. And uh, Mosher is here today. Jeff Mosher, what's going on, my friend? How are you? Hey, Mike. I'm good. We're, uh, we've entered now the part of the uh, offseason. The Senior Bowl's over. We're going to start getting into some major free agency discussion. After that, it'll be draft. You know, the most common question we get, I'm sure you get this too, uh, is, oh, now the season's over. What do you do? Are you bored? I'm like, no, it's, it's actually busier than when the season's going on. There's a lot of information oh, yeah. to hunt down. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, right now you hit that little tiny bit of a lull, but like as you said, the Senior Bowl's done and you get all this stuff. But now, you know, when we get to that part of the offseason where all the transactional things and the offseason hirings and the firings all comes done, it seems that this is the time of the year where the stuff starts to leak, where what the problems were from the season before. I'm like, ah, they hired this guy, they hired this guy. Now everybody's in place, and this is now happening. And one of the things that uh, we wanted to get into with you is what happened with Sean Desai uh, with uh, the season there, uh, as you guys were talking about on the Inside the Birds pod. You know, basically, uh, it seemed that there was a disconnect between Sean Desai and the defensive side of the ball. What more can you tell us about what happened there? Yeah, and I know that this was discussed last week at Adam on, and, and we were down in Mobile and get a chance to catch up with a lot of people that you don't see during the season, a lot of agents, um, talked to a few who represented deep players on defense for the Eagles, specifically veterans. That was the, you know, rookies and young players, it, it sort of doesn't matter. They try to run through the wall for anybody to prove themselves but veterans are used to a certain way and um have come to expect a certain standard and what we got the feedback that we were getting is that the veterans were just not on board uh with sean desai and communication was not a two-way street felt like a one-way street and they as the season went on and you know the the, the picture was painted of him as sort of being married to the way he was going to do it and sort of um unbending with the players and uh, one specific veteran uh, agent told me that you know he he couldn't stand what was going on there and another one said that it's i heard that another veteran stopped talking <laughs> to show on the side so it, it, it was a situation where you can understand why the organization felt it had to make a move i think it goes back to then you know if it had gotten to the point where maybe there was a mutiny on your hands then then what sense does it make to keep the man around if that's the kind of atmosphere that was created? Also, it, it goes back to your vetting process. How did you not, you know, did, you had Denard Wilson in the building and, you know, you decided to go with Sean Desai. Did you do enough homework on him? You can't find out everything, but, you know, maybe that there was not enough done in that regard. He's a smart guy. Everybody who I spoke to said that one of the things is he's a very smart education master's degree. I believe he has in education and sometimes smart guys can sell you on their intellect, but not on their leadership. Right. Um, that's something that you don't see until they're 
they're coaching and interacting with players. Um, why did they keep him? Probably because they were running his scheme and Matt Patricia didn't have a whole lot of uh, familiarity with it, even though he was there all year. So you can see how that all just came together to make a really toxic situation. Right. Um, you know, very interesting stuff here because, you know, Desai, okay, some would say, because we, we were talking about this Friday with Adam and it came up and then people were reacting and texting in and saying, well, and, and this is where the whole thing was Sirianni. Like, one of the text messages suggested, like, Sirianni basically took the player's side. So does that tell the players that they can, like, have a mutiny anytime they want, that Sirianni's always going to go against his coaches? Um, or was it, like, did Sirianni say, look, we're winning, I'm not going to do anything, and then the two losses came and then took his opportunity to kind of back the play? It's a weird situation, but, like, do we know how long this was kind of going on for? You know, there was communication breakdowns in the secondary, especially, you know, from game one, right? You go look back at that Patriots game, and I'm not saying that this is when issues were raised, but just to give you an illustration, you know, that that looked like a good win for the Eagles. They went on the road, they won, they beat the Patriots. Uh, you go back and look at that game, the Patriots had, I think, two touchdowns in that game, maybe three, or they had 300 50 yards and you know like go look at how the Patriots did against every other team this year they had games where they struggled to score a touchdown uh, and yet they were able to move the ball pretty well against the Eagles defense so um, we, we saw it I mean we saw a lot of we, we saw a lot of guys on the field like pointing at other guys lost in coverage so I don't know exactly when uh, the the situation got to the point where veterans had to come and talk to Nick Sirianni um, I do know that even before the play calling changed before the Seattle game. There were people uh, on the team, veterans on the team, talking to uh, the coaches. You know, there's a leadership-type council there and, and talking to the coaches about some of their concerns. But to your point, like, I don't want to sit here and say, Sean Desai, bad, Eagles veterans, good. Like, I'm, I, I, there's no – I'm objectively looking at this. I'm just telling you how the veterans felt. Whether or not – Sean Desai is a bad guy or a bad leader based on them or whether you think the veterans are just spoiled and, you know, <laughs> weren't getting their way. That That's for everybody else to decide. I'm just the deliverer of the yeah. news. I wasn't there. We all weren't there. The, the bottom line is it wasn't working. Um, and the, also we know that the defense in 2024 is going to look a lot different than the defense in 2023. Well, and well it's really set for I, I would interject because you mentioned it seemed to be like the secondary. Some of those guys – Bradbury, Slay, Maddox, mm -hmm. um, possibly Bayard, depending on what they do with his contract. But they're all back. I mean, so there's a I lot don't of know guys. About that. Well, I'm saying they're all <laughs> at least contractually signed to be back. Yeah. Uh, well, we all know that being contractually signed to be back and being True. back are two different True. things in the NFL world. So, uh, 100, 100%. No, no, some of them will be, Mike. To your point, it's not going to be 11 new players on defense. So I that, that's completely obvious but it's there's going to be a lot of new players and there's going to be a new sheriff in town in Vic Fangio and uh, I don't think the Eagles are bringing in Vic here to sort of take play calling away from him by week 11 if the veterans don't like it I think that they're bringing in a new sheriff they're going to bring in some new blood and let the sheriff kind of you know call the shots there well, at least for this I, I year guess, and see how it goes I guess the question on top of that was would be then is this demonstrating good leadership by this uh by Sirianni exactly. or questionable leadership by Sirianni in acting the way that he did yeah and you know again I like to be the guy who says these are good questions and I don't have the answer to it I think time will tell 
Um, I don't try to pretend that, uh, you know, that I think as reporters, this is the diff- most difficult thing because sometimes we report things and people think that means we feel a certain way. Like, you know, a lot of people might have listened to the podcast last week and said, man, Jeff and Adam, really, they're really painting Sean Desai as the problem. No, I'm painting the picture of the players felt that Sean Desai was an issue and a lot of veterans had issues with it. And again, how that information, how that leadership on Nick Sirianni um, is reflected, we'll see. I don't know. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, it's it's impossible to tell. You can't really measure it. You can't quantify it, Bosch. I hear what you're saying. I, I agree with what you're saying. But how I look at it is, man, a disconnect, I feel like it takes a lot for players to be like, turning to each other saying what the heck's this guy saying what is he doing what isn't he doing like typically players have their coaches backs even if they don't know for sure they're great at what they're doing so i feel like it takes a lot to get there and then Mm -hmm. back to what gil said i'm just going to repeat it though like how does nick sirianni not spot that sooner i just feel like he's just not even He's not even managing his his staff. That's how I interpret it. That's aggressive. It's probably unfair statement, but like, how yeah, do you, you assess know, that, it? <laughs> that does go back to the whole. You, this team was having communication problems, you know, cohesion problems since day one. And I, you know, what you want to know is, at what point did Nick Sirianni say, "All right, this is now the coaching isn't working." Coaches tend to, you know, and, and Nick has said this, and he's not the only one. Coaches double down on their process even when things go bad because they don't want to believe that their process is bad because it's what got them there. So I can understand if for the first five or six weeks Nick Sirianni is looking at this saying, all right, we got young kids playing, we got a lot of injuries, we got a new coach, it's going to come together eventually, we just got to coach it better, we got to rep it better, we got to do it all better. But eventually that didn't happen, right? And and so he did make the move. Now, could he have spotted it sooner? That's when you get to, we can all go back, but they were 10 and 1, right? So it's any coach that wants to make some drastic changes at 10 and 1, instead of saying, all right, we're, we're, we'll figure it out as we go along, is probably uh, few and far between at that point. You know, you're not going to find too many guys who are, you'll find it in, in some occasions, just not in too many. So knowing what we know now, you know, without us having a crystal ball, do you feel like Vic is, is the guy, you know, after you come, come out with this report, after everyone knowing what we all do most you feel like Vic and his history of toughness is the right choice you know the whole the feedback on Vic Fangio is what makes reporting um difficult at times because no one person knows all right so I spoke I spoke to people down in Mobile and I was sort of surprised as I think um I haven't spoken to you guys since Wednesday right so uh maybe Adam talked to you guys about it but we were a little surprised by the sort of meh reaction about the Eagles getting Vic Fangio from some people we spoke to. We thought people would be like, that's the home run that they wanted last year. Um, so we didn't get that reaction. Drew Rosenhaus is very, you know, he had a clip where he says a lot of those Miami players weren't happy to, were not upset to see him go. But then I know there have been stories written quoting uh, other players who played for him in Denver who love him. So that that's kind of where we're at here. And that's pretty much a lot of coaches. There's very few that everybody's going to love, right? There's very few Andy Reeds where you're, you have to like, like I think the only person ever who has ever told me he doesn't like Andy Reed is Freddie Mitchell. I think that's like literally the only guy who did not like playing for Andy Reed. And maybe he has his own reasons for that that we all know. Um, but it's very rare. You're going to find a guy. Uh, look at Sean McDermott. Look how much criticism he came under this year for things that he did in the past or said, or how 
um, tough he can be as a coach. And then the team went out and won six straight games and made it to the divisional round, right? right? So, look, Vic, Vic's record speaks for itself. He's pretty good at what he does. I have a feeling he's going to come in here and do a better job because, as some people have pointed out, you can't really do worse than what you saw last year from the Eagles' defense. I, I also have the feeling, and I think we all do, that Howie Roseman's going to make it his mission this offseason to make sure that Vic's got some ingredients to work with on defense and doesn't leave him, uh, you know, with a, co- a bare cupboard. So yeah. that, that that's going to work together, and I imagine you're going to see a better Eagles defense next year. Uh, real quick, Moshe, I know you got to jump off a little earlier today uh, here on Football at Four, but uh, did you get the sense at the Senior Bowl that people were surprised that Sirianni's still here? <laughs> Not at the Senior Bowl, I think, because by then it was pretty obvious he was, you know. But the, the listen, you'll talk to people who were even surprised that he was on the hot seat, right? And then you'll talk to people who know the organization, and they'll be like, "Wow, he survived it, didn't he? Good, good, good on Nick." So, um, you know, the Eagles, their tendencies are are well known throughout the league. So they are sort of a um, what do you call it? A uh, spectator sport at times with yeah. everybody kind of wondering what they're going to do. But I didn't, I don't think a whole lot of people are that surprised. I, I think more people would have been surprised if they just completely cut the cord on the guy after three years and, you know, three playoff appearances and a Super Bowl appearance. All right. Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast. And of course, uh, check out the podcast on all podcasting platforms. Look at their YouTube channel. Uh, just search Inside the Birds. All right, Mosher. Thanks, buddy. Yep, you got it. You got the Andrew DeCecco mock draft, by the way, up on Inside the Birds. 1.0. It's it's must-read stuff. I'm looking forward to it, man. You know I love a mock draft. I am. That's right. I think of all the people uh, on this uh, panel, I am the mock draft guy here. I love a mock draft. You do. Uh, you do love the mock draft. You do not. You're not like some people who who put their nose up in the air at the 11 million no. mock draft. You want them all. You know, I, like, want them all. I want them all. I want them all. I want them all. I'm going to miss you uh, on uh, in Vegas this year, man. I was hoping you guys were going to come out there. Yeah. Well, I was hoping uh, things would result that way too, but not in the cards <laughs> this year. Sorry. Have uh, fun all right. though. All right, brother. See you. See you. All right. Uh, Sports bash. Live 97.3 ESPN. So here's a, all right, here's a question for you. Okay. Okay. There's a couple things. Now that conversation we can get more into as well. Um, there's a couple things that, um, I was talking to you about in one of the breaks. Yeah. So I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Vegas. Yes. Okay. I've never been to Vegas before. Uh huh. Now I'm not like I need to go to Vegas for the reasons other people go to Vegas. Like I live in Atlantic City. I've been to a casino. I understand theirs are a little different. It's a little bit like more glitzy, maybe a little over the top. But to me, I don't think you could beat Ocean where I'm at right now. Like Mm -hmm. I'm in one of the most beautiful casinos anyone could put together. So I'm not like I'm going to Vegas because I want to see the casino scene. Well, Vegas, there's it's not just about the casino. Listen, it's known, of course, for the casinos, of course, but there's a million things to do. You don't have to bet a dollar. Well, that's Vegas. what I'm saying. Like, so there's not many people say, like, you know, the shelf life is like 48 hours, and that's all you need. That's if you're gambling and partying. Yes, okay. I would say you have to be out by so, the 49th hour. We're landing tomorrow at like 6:30. Okay. So I suggested. By the way, Schwein's going with me. Okay. I don't know why Buckle I agreed up. to do this, <laughs> but I did agree to it. Okay. Um, because I had four passes. Are you guys, uh, you know, sharing bunk beds? Or no, anything? Schwein's okay. got his own room. <laughs> All right, that's good. I had four passes. Yeah, and Schwein has his show on the weekends. And I said, listen, if you want to come and get some interviews for your Saturday Sunday shows, 
you're more than welcome to come. Yeah, that's nice. I said, you know, you can you can do all that. So he's coming with me. We're traveling together, and Grayson's coming traveling with us, separate. but he is traveling separately. Yeah. So I have to babysit uh, Schwein. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you so, do. Now, Schwein is a hockey guy. He is. He's- Tomorrow night. The Golden Knights play Edmonton. I mean, Connor McDavid, for God's sakes. So I said to Schwein, yo, we got to go to the game tomorrow. We're in Vegas. I hear of all the, like, going to a hockey game in Vegas, I hear, like, it's an unbelievable presentation. That's like a bucket list thing for any sports fan. Even if you're not a hockey fan, I've heard you have to get out to a Golden Knights game in Vegas. Now, the problem is we land at 630. Yeah. The game probably starts at 7. I don't know that we get from the airport to T-Mobile Arena <laughs> no, in that amount of time. Definitely not. Unless but is it a... worth going if we get there in, like, the second period? No, absolutely not. No? because No, especially at, for Vegas and the Golden Knights. I've heard the best part is the game presentation yeah. leading up to the puck drop. It's, the, it's before the game starts. There's people, you know, flying down from the top of the roof. There's... I know. Confetti and fireworks, and you're not going to get any of that. I know. Yeah. So you don't think we should go? Uh, if there's not another home game. No, that's the only one during the Super Bowl week. That's the only one. I wouldn't force it, dude. There's so much you can do. There's a million shows. Like I, Well, there's a million. So I, wanted to, I checked out the Sphere to see what the U2 tickets cost. I'm not paying that. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a good call. Yeah. It's like 400 bucks for, for getting in. Yeah. Sorry, U2. Bono. I'm not coming for that. No. Um, now, there's, a, like, yesterday I saw The Hook. I went and watched that. That was fun. Here in AC. Yeah, yeah. yeah, in AC. Yep. Yeah, that's, and they have shows like that all say, over. So there's shows like that I know. Comedy um, shows. I don't, you know. Yeah, so I don't. Great I, Chris, food. Christina Aguilera is playing out there, but right. I've already seen her. Dude, there's a million breweries. You know, there's great Bruno food. Mars. All right, there you go. There's going to be a million stars yeah, but out there. I got Schwein with me. Doesn't mean you have to bring them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Schwimer. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I you should. Know, you should hear no, what I've Billy's already. It's a great time. You're like, you have You should hear what Schwimer. I've already gone through. What? Like I, I went. But to once the, you're there, it's just going to be like, all right, let's go uh, drink, let's go sightsee, uh, let's go do whatever. You know. I had, I went to the airport to book the flights, uh-huh. and I'm at the counter, okay, because I went to the airport ACY to, to book, and I'm at the counter. And I got Schwime on the phone, and I was like, Billy, I'm in line. I got no time for any questions here. Do you want me to book the flight or not? Yeah. And he asked me a million. I said, Billy, the question, the answer is either yes or no. I'm not I'm not taking questions right now. Uh, not <laughs> Go ahead and book questions. it. All right, so I booked the flight. Well, his flight is different than mine. He's leaving the day early. Okay. What is he taking, the red eye back, and you're going? You're well, just he's taking the red eye back Thursday. I'm taking right. it back Friday. Oh, wow. You're staying a full day extra. Well, we're doing the show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Yeah, and then after the show on Friday, we're flying home. Okay, makes sense. And he's only staying out for two days. He's just going to go out and, and, and get a bunch of interviews. Like, he's going to record interviews. At least that's, his, that's, his, that's the plan, that's the right, if he, if he wakes up. What's the over-under on total Billy Schwein interviews? That he's I can't gonna, imagine he gets up and I think it's it four and a half. You work with him. I'll take the under. Danny works with him. I can't imagine him in Vegas. He's not waking up to get because remember, it's like, oh, I missed it. I woke up. The <laughs> show, our show, is now at eleven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Now, yeah, he's going to have some issues. Your Especially, show is now eleven o'clock in the morning. Well, out there, okay. Three, yeah. Oh, It'll yes, be two, It'll o'clock be two o'clock here. here. Ah, but I'm out sure. there, we got to be on the air, ready to go by eleven. I'll say this, Billy. Now, I will say, you went to Radio Row with a Miami. Yeah. 
that was a pain in the ass to get from the hotel to the place. Yeah, logistically, whoever led that charge just failed. It was horrible. Right. I don't know if but that was Grayson or you, but the Luxor and the Mandalay Bay, they're connected, and Radio Row is. Yeah, you're, you're going to be. It's perfect. We don't have setup. to leave the the premises to get there. Can so I give he you may one be su- able to stumble there. I doubt it. No, he should be. <laughs> Can I give you one suggestion too? The so when I went there, one of the times I went there, Fremont Street you have to go to. That's the legendary old school part okay. of Vegas. And the I, arts I am- the arts district is like a five minute Uber. It's not on the strip. Okay. They have a ton of really cool we'll breweries. Me yeah, I'll message well, you. I got a list. Nine best breweries in Vegas. It's I'm gonna hit like, those. It's like Manny Young for Philly, or it's like Hoboken for New York City. All right, I definitely want to do that. Yeah, yeah well, I'm, great. I'm going with Grayson. At least I feel safe. But Grayson's a great dude. Yeah. Very, uh, very mature. He makes you feel safe. I, I feel like I can hang out with Grayson and not get in trouble. Well, he is a teacher, oh, okay. after all. You know, he gives out grades. He is a teacher, after <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I, I, I do feel... Like Grayson, I feel safe with. I know I don't have to babysit him. So you're not looking to have a good time. <laughs> well, well, you've been with me on these things. I'm not. I'm there. No, to work. You're there to work. Yeah. yeah. I, and by the way, you got to be in the, bed. Well, before. this is the like last year we were in Arizona. We got off the air. What was it? Four o'clock last year. Josh, it's probably five. Right? Is it an hour? It's two hours. It's two. Okay. Yeah. So it was four. We got off the air at four o'clock last year. So it was like noon to four, I think, we did the show last year. So now it's going to be 11 to three. Yeah, which was great because like four o'clock we were done, which means like we were done. And you could like do a little happy hour yeah. and be home by like eight o'clock. It'd be right. like, okay, still this hit is three o'clock. That's even better. It's even better. So like we're done at three and then we have like, you know, the rest of the eat, like early afternoon, like yeah, evening. You can get weird. Kinda, yeah, but I'm not like get weird kind of guy. Like we went to Miami <laughs> and I didn't do anything. Get weird. Come on, man. Well, that was based off. That was different. First of all, I feel like. Well, the difference in Miami, that's what I'm talking about. The difference in Miami was we were were on until 6, and when you're done, it is a whirlwind, and you are spent. We, and we got to the convention center like 9, 10 a.m. Like we, yeah, we were, we were beat. Like like we went out to dinner the one night with Harry and Aton. We sat there and just like out on like, uh. Yeah. Yeah, street, what's the that street was like um, right off uh, A1 or something. Yeah, but we sat like there and just like people watched. But yeah. we didn't go like clubbing and partying. No, we couldn't. None of the nights. Yeah. No. And Vegas is cool, though, you because know, you don't Super have Bowl to go clubbing. Many times. I've never been to one of the Super Bowl parties. I've never gone to one. I feel like, I don't know if that's impressive or pathetic. Well, it's funny because Grayson went <laughs> the last couple years. Yeah. And he was telling me, like, he won't be there on Tuesday when the party is. But we'll be there. I said, I'm not taking Schwein to that party. Let me just I'll say, have to babysit him. in Vegas, man. <laughs> Schwein, I don't know. First off, Schwein's taking you to that party. Yeah, it's true. So he's going to drag you. He'll there go alone. Too. Second yeah. off, as far as the Schwein interviews go, he got three just the Philadelphia Sports Writers Association dinner: Nola, Topper, and Sean Couturier. So oh, so I'm not doubting that he'll get. It. I know. I'm most I, was, I was jokingly doubting. We're speaking of Rob. Oh, yeah. That's the whole yeah. point of him going out there is he'll talk to anybody. So set yeah. that over under like six and a half interviews. Wait, I already got him booked three one days. Where, where'd you get him? I, I, he is so stoked. I got him Jim McMahon. Nice. And somebody else, I have it in my, my, my list for him. But I've already booked a couple interviews for him. He's there three days, right? Uh, two. Oh, we're two getting days? there Tuesday. All right, lower but that. But we're getting there Tuesday night. Lower now, that over get, under to five and a half, then. Five and a half. <laughs> well, he's targeting four. Four a day or four total? Four total. Okay. Two, one, Probably two for, two each, for show. each show. Yeah. Saturday and two on Sunday. Gotcha. Right? Schweiner's got a remote this Sunday as well. He does. Busy man. He's well, he's going to be in Vegas, and then he's coming back, and then he's got the remote show. Lunch at the locker room. 
<laughs> That's right. Are you there? Uh, I'm back in studio. I might rush over after. Where's that? I don't know what I'm doing. At La Scala's. Was it Scala's Beach House? In oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good spot. We're in a great spot right here. Now, this sports books, that thing. I want to see that, like, this sports book's unbelievable where we're at right now. Of course. Like, I got to see, like, if you're telling me there's a Vegas sports book that rivals or better, I'll be highly impressed because I've only been to AC. I've only seen the AC sports Well, we have... We have brand-new state-of-the-art facilities as far as sports books go here in Atlantic City because it's new, and Ocean is the best. Like, Vegas, those sports books have been there for 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Obviously, I, I, you can put this up against any of the Vegas books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, someone texted in earlier. We'll be in Vegas for the show Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. All right, uh, we got sound of the day coming up. Also, Devon Givens at five o'clock tonight talking Sixers. Joel Embiid, we know out for how long? We don't know. Or Sports Bash, ninety-seven three ESPN. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on ninety-seven three ESPN and the free mobile app. All right, welcome back, Sports Bash Live ninety-seven three ESPN. Looking for an outdoor upgrade that will make your neighbors jealous? I got an idea: progressive fence and railing. Maybe you're looking for a new fence, a railing, a deck, an awning, something outside. Make it, it's been so nice out. Keep thinking about spring. We never had winter. I don't have a problem with that. Experience top-notch quality, impeccable craftsmanship, and finance options that fit any budget. Grab your free estimate today. Visit ProgressiveFenceAndRail.com. All right, Mike and Ryan, our on-site producer is Danny Ryan. And Josh Henning has today's sound of the day. Guys, I wanted to start with an audio bite that was a preview of a to-come published interview. So Rob Motti had a one-on-one with A.J. Brown. And the he put it on Twitter, only part of the interview that we're going to play here. The rest of it could be released later this week. But the question by from Rob Motti was to A.J. Brown, are you surprised that Brian Johnson was fired as the Eagles' offensive coordinator. This was A.J. Brown's answer, and I want your guys' thoughts. Um, I wasn't surprised. You know, in this league, somebody has to be the bad guy, so something don't, don't go well. Um, but uh, like I said earlier about the O.C. job, you know, regardless of whoever you put in that position, it comes down to the players and executing and making plays, you know, so um, – me personally, I'm, I'm not too attached to whoever's in the OC position, you know, because I have a job to do. You know, if my nose call, I got to, I have to answer. So, I mean, it seemed like a pretty, uh, pretty real answer. Yeah, somebody has to be the bad guy. It wasn't yeah. gonna be me, <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he basically said, "He's like, I know, I'm, I ain't going nowhere." I had 1,400 yards, right? Uh, I mean, I don't know. He had 1,400 yards in this offense. Is he complaining? It felt like he was not maybe right there, but I like he's complained a bunch. I felt like he was almost indifferent. He was just like, ah, you know, I got to go out there and play whoever the OC is kind of attitude. Well, he said before, we ride with Brian. We ride with Nick. Nick. Like, I don't know that A.J. Brown had a problem with his role. I mean, he had a prominent role. He was frustrated, though, wasn't he? I mean, that was reported. I think he's frustrated with just the outcomes, but, yeah. I mean, he had 
He had a career year. Yeah, he had just as good a year this year as he did the year before, if not better. I mean, yeah. he had 1,400 yards this year. Maybe right. frustrated he didn't have a touchdown reception since November 26th That's, to end the year. That's fair. That could be it. That certainly could be it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just seemed like he was kind of indifferent. Like, um, I was going to have 1,400 yards with Brian Johnson, and I'll probably get 1,400 yards right. without, without him. Without him. <laughs> like, Absolutely. The, it's not me that's had an issue with him, but I can understand why we had to do something. Somebody had to be the bad guy. Right. Do you, do you guys think that that's a sign that maybe the problems with the offense and some of the criticism that A.J. Brown had nothing to do with it? Like, he's kind of, like, separating himself like that. Look, those things, that's not my problem. I, I'm I'm washing my hands of that. I mean, look, this guy has had his name in trade rumors for no reason. Right. Oh well, I take Where's that. Where's that come from? Though? Well, he scrubbed his social media, and then in this day and age, somebody scrubs their social media. We try to read what it means, and then you know you get hypothetical. Well, he scrubbed his media, social media. Does that mean he wants to be traded? I mean, he has given really no indication that he doesn't like it here. No, I mean, no indication. He's having career years, individual standpoint, and his best chance ever to win a Super Bowl, and he's playing with his best friend. <laughs> right, like, why would he want to Honestly, leave? two of his best friends. Have you seen how his relationship with Devonta Smith has grown? Like, they yeah. seem like best buds in these interviews with Kay Adams and so on. And so, Devonta true. Smith was the same when he said, you know, I don't want the media to break us up. Like, Devonta was making it like, right. I don't know where this stuff is coming from, but he's my boy. Well, and, like, I feel like we always, this is like Joel Embiid. All these star players say they want to be traded, so it's only a matter of time before Joel Embiid. Well, some people are different. Like, not everybody requests a trade. Like, well, the NFL is a little bit different. I I, I get your analogy. No, my, my point is, just because people scrub their social media and that automatically means they want to be traded, yeah. somebody might just be Doing it for whatever he said. I don't even remember what he said, why he did it. Yeah, just a personal reason. He said it was personal reasons. Grow as a person, apparently. Yeah. Well, he, he was basically saying that you know, it had nothing to do with football. It was the, what he said on Kay Adams' show. Right. But it's like, well, anybody who ever scrubs their social media, they have a problem with the team. Like, didn't Lamar Jackson take off all the Ravens stuff? Yep. Yeah. He's on the Ravens. So, like. It's also, though, his profile picture being a black sheep about around a bunch of white sheep. And like, if you dive deeper into the meaning of that, like he put that there for a reason. Did he put it there because he was trying to get everybody to get triggered over, it and he can laugh at everybody? Yeah, probably. I mean, I mean that's a possibility. He's just a, a diva. I mean, that's like a, a mandatory requirement to be a legitimate wide receiver. And there's a part of me that thinks <laughs> these guys get a hoot out of idiots that like yeah. try to read into what they do. So they do things to make people say, just to mislead them, and yeah. to, you know, mess I with take them. nothing from social media antics. Zero, like, yeah. Anybody on social media can do whatever they want. Like, you have people. Uh, there, there are people who are have such little time in their life that care what I do. Like, if that's the case, that people care that much about what I do, it's, what do you think AJ Brown thinks about those people? It's information overload, too. It's like to your point. There's people out there just sitting constantly every day checking every Eagles player profile, every Sixers player, yeah, every so Phillies I, player. If I was at the level of, like, A.J. Brown, like, he's like, I'm just going to do this and, and watch, like, <laughs> Eggface Jones 542 
go ballistic over the fact that I changed Quite a my name. That's hey. a great name. That's why it's taken. Ake Face yeah. Jones, nine forty two. <laughs> Frankly, I'd, I'd probably do that. I'm I'm a bit of a nut job, as you know, Mike. So yeah, just like do what though? You just mess with people. Yeah, AJ just put Brown? just put. If, if if I'm that famous and I got the spare time on my hands, you know why not put something weird on social media to rile people up? I just think he deleted to delete it. Like he ain't messing with people, and he there's no underlying meaning. I can, you know, I like, can roll with that. I don't think I it's either. I think people are just completely overanalyzing it for whatever reason. But it, the dude's the dude's happy here. I, I also think this is a huge year for him to for us to find out if right. he's There's really happy. There's also an element of it's the off season. The team finished the season very disappointingly, infamously. So it's like, well, what happened? Well, this guy had he maybe he's unhappy. Like, we want to try to manufacture and find ways or reasons why the team finished so disappointingly. If, now, the whole Mosher conversation we had I thought was interesting because he had agents seeking them out to get information like, yeah, this guy, there was a communication problems. Yeah, I mean, I could talk about that report probably for a couple hours straight because, to me, there's so many underlying reasons into that Mosher report, but I digress. Well, I, you know, this is a text message. Uh, the secondary had issues with communications in the playoffs last year. It's the veteran players not wanting to hear hard coaching from a young coach that is the problem. I don't agree with that at all. No, and that's such a bold leap of an assumption from Well, Cole. last year they had John Gannon was here. He's a young Exactly. Coach. I yeah. mean, the, the staff last year was a younger staff. I just think they believed more in, in, in Gannon's. They, and by the way, they didn't have like a, like. Dude, the, they were 10 and 1. Their Eagles were 10 and 1 this year, and he still had players going, or there were rumblings, whatever actually happened, saying, man, this guy ain't it. Well, it's because how talented they were, right? It, it was a talent overcoming coaching, but it only got you so far, right, guys? Well, he went right. on to say, by the way, maybe they listened to Fangio, but I think the lack of respect towards coaches is poor reflection on Sirianni's leadership. I completely disagree with that. Again, I actually look at the, the exact opposite. Like, where I was questioning Sirianni's role, I actually think this whole thing coming out is, is showing more that Sirianni – is actually a good leader. Wow. Well, Why do you think that? I'm listening to what Jason Kelsey said. Strong statements from Kelsey. All right. I mean. Also what Shane Steichen said. He has Shane no Steichen reason to. What Shane Steichen said I think was maybe the strongest reinforcement of what Kelsey said. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I hear you, but it's like what else are they going to oh. say, dude? They're friends. They've worked together. It's like they're not. Yeah, Shane but, Steichen's not going to come out okay. and blast Sirianni. No, but Neither he, is Kelsey. He, he doesn't have to come out and blast him, but he can say what Brown did and just kind of circle around it. Eh, they had a tough season. He'll get things right. He He's a good coach. He could, but clearly he, they're friends, you know? He, yes, they are friends. You're absolutely right. But I said this to you on Friday. If, I, if someone was to say something about a coach, accountability and, and dependability. And de uh, what was the I other one? I think that's what it was. Can you play that Steichen Yeah, I'll, I'll play the Steichen bite right here. Take a listen. I love Nick. Uh, very demanding accountability is huge with him you know he wants things done a certain way which is that's their your job as head coach and there's a standard he set that standard and you've seen what he's done in three years his record speaks for itself you can't say enough i mean it's hard to do what he's done in the past three years on any team and uh it's a credit to him it's a credit to his coaches and what they've done there the last three years is pretty freaking special 
Yeah, demanding yes. and accountability. Yes, that was the. Those were the two words. And if you were to describe a coach and say, "Give me two words about that coach," you would, and they say he's demanding and he accountable. Accountable. They would say, "Then that guy is the guy I want to play for." I agree, and I hear you. But if you look at the Desai situation with tunnel vision. Do you think Sirianni did a good job in managing that, or do you think he had to have mismanaged that in some way, shape, or form? Well, I'll tell you, as we were having this conversation with Mosher, in my head I'm thinking he had Gannon and that crew last year. And I think he managed Desai and this crew. He tried to manage it the same way and then realized that's a mistake. I I can't do that. Right. I gave these guys the same treatment I gave Gannon and his staff, and these guys need to be treated differently. And then, like, who knows? Like, I tried to ask Mosher, do you know when to start it? And it's indefinitive of, like, yeah, week five. (laughs) Like, who knows? Maybe it started in week one. They're like, man, we don't really. Or training camp. And then the team's winning and winning and winning. And and this um, Sirianni's like, well, I can't make a change when we're 10 at 9 and 1. Like, come on, guys. Like, can you please, like, you know, and then they lose two games, and it's like, now, coach, do you see what we're talking about? And then he says, all right. Well, who do you blame then for the whole Desai fallout? Because Sirianni, that seems to be his main responsibility is to be the CEO and to coach the coaches because he ain't calling plays on either side. So you are literally, that is your arguably the most important aspect of his job. I, I will I will go back to something Chris Long said on his podcast because him and Kyle Long were talking when Fangio was hired. And, you know, Chris Long brought up the idea. They didn't really get too deep into it, but he got him, he mentioned that, you know, you could have a coach in a building who ruins everything. You know, Long didn't say ruining. He dropped a curse word on the pod. But, like, mm. he basically said that, you know, there are coaches, no matter how good the head coach is, that there can be a guy under that head coach that can ruin everything in a locker room and become a cancer. Well, and if you're if you're taking the benefit of the doubt that the coach, your coach is going to be the grown-up, and then he's not. Like Mosher yeah. was saying, like, he was too smart, and he didn't want to listen to what the players – like, you have to take some of the players' input and at least, like, you know, say, okay, like, maybe we could, you know – Especially at that level. Right. Like, and if he's uh, – listen, he's insinuating it was the secondary, veteran players. I got to assume James Bradbury's agent is – 100%. One of these guys. 100%. I mean, Bradbury had an awful year. So here's his agent being like, dude, I don't yeah. want my client – to have this stain on him that he's just completely lost two right, steps. That's going to impact the next contract. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I, but I certainly don't look at it and say, oh my God, Nick Sirianni, what were you doing? You mismanaged this whole thing. I, I no, I did say, and I don't, I don't take this back. I do a little. He makes a decision to fire him and put Patricia in that spot, which blows up in his face. Right. Like, one, what makes you think Matt Patricia was the answer to all those problems? And two, it was clearly a problem for a while. He was just afraid to do it at 10 and 1. So it's like as soon as they started losing a couple games, they, he just. But I don't know that he's afraid to do it. I think true. he was trying to be, I'm back in my coach here, guys. Right. And until it got to the point where. He couldn't. Right. Where, like, listen, the players have been coming to me about, like, you got to be, you got to work with them. And then he refuses to. He refuses to. I got your back, man, and you're not helping me out. Now I got to turn on you. That's fair. You know, it's, uh, and we're, and we're, Paulie, now I must turn my back on you. And we're completely speculating, too. It's like, which makes it more fun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Makes it a ton of fun. Uh, Devon Gibbons, five o'clock tonight, talking some Embiid and the Sixers. What's next there? 
Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. It's the Sports Mike Gill. And I am the voice of the voiceless. On 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 452 on the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Super Bowl week, and you can listen to Super Bowl 58 right here on 97.3 ESPN. We're live at the Ocean's Gallery Bar, Book and Games. Mike and Ryan. All right, Josh, uh, hit us with your question for the week. Can you name the South Jersey football players who have played in the Super Bowl? How many we got here? Yeah, can we get a number? 15 total. Whoa, jeez. I mean, I got one off the top of my head. Well, you give it to me. Come on, okay, go ahead. Okay. I didn't know the rules and regulations. <laughs> uh, Corey Clement. Corey Clement is one. Oh, so you're counting people from, like, Gloucester, Camden, up that way, too. Yep, we're counting them all. Yeah. All right. Um, what about the kid from, uh, uh, well, Vineland, obviously, you Pacheco. got uh, Pacheco. That's another one, yeah. you got the other Vineland kid. Did he play in that Super Bowl, Denby? Did not. Okay. Um, jeez. Hmm, yeah, my, my South Jersey. Oh, guy. you got, um, you've got, uh, what, what's the, um, yep, nailed it. <laughs> the guy was the long snapper from Southern. Was he on that list? Clark Harris? Uh, it's Ocean Township. I'm not fully recounting Ocean Township because it's Southern. All right. It's more mid. Um, there's 15. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I know without cheating. Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple of. Hold on, hold on a second here. All right, so uh, <laughs> I mean, can we get like years, or can we get some clues without making it a layoff? We got Flacco. That's a one. Oh, yep. Flacco, okay, Flacco yeah. would Mike, be wrong. Mike, you interviewed one of these guys a couple of years ago. Who did? Mike Gill. A uh, couple of years ago at the Super Bowl. Is it the the quarter? No, he's not from South Jersey. Is he the quarterback from Penn State? No, he's not from South Jersey. Yeah. Who was? McSorley or whatever his name is. No. McSorley. <laughs> He's not from South Jersey. <laughs> um, man. Um, One of them is actually playing in this year's Super Bowl. It's not Pacheco. Huh. We're going to need some. We're going to need a, like a few clues. Yeah, I'm going to have to think some about it. I mean, because you threw the wrench in that there's like the Camden Gloucester group over there, Camden County. You want to give you some of the teams out. so you can think about it during the break here? So we got two between the two of us. We got yeah, you 13 got some, more. Yeah, you're missing some Ravens. You're missing some 49ers. You're missing some Colts. The guy from the Jets. Corey Bird? No. Who? Corey Bird played for the Colts. Was he on those Manning teams? He was not, no. He went to Ocrest. Okay. I actually wrestled him. He kicked my ass. Sounds about right. He was a lot better than me. <laughs> I bet he was. I wasn't really. I it's a long story, but he was very good. That sums it up. <laughs> He's so good, he made it to the NFL. <laughs> right. I mean. Uh, all right. We'll Let's think about that. <laughs> Devon Gibbons is coming up. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Now live from the Matt Blatt Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Another year, another Embiid injury. Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. But what's the impact of this one? This one could almost be franchise-altering. They have a decision to make on Thursday. How did they make that decision based on the news they got, which was pretty unclear, by the way? Mike Gill, Ryan Rossi, we're live at the Gallery Bar Book and Games Ocean Casino Resort. 
in Atlantic City. And joining us now to give us a little bit more insight, Sixers Insider for PHLY Sports, Devon Givens is with us here on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. What's up, my man? What's going on, Mike? How you doing, man? All is well. It's uh, good to have you on on the show and uh, under unfortunate circumstances, my man. Uh, this <laughs> seems like Groundhog's Day for Joel Embiid, but I don't know. Give me your initial reaction to what the impact of this very unclear news is for this team in this particular season with the trade deadline on Thursday. First, I wasn't surprised, Mike, uh, what the diagnosis was because we clearly felt like something was wrong just watching him and, and just seeing how things were going with him out there on the floor, and especially when he took took the floor in you know, in that in that game and he didn't he couldn't move against Golden State. He couldn't pivot, couldn't turn. And so you knew something was up. And then once we finally got that news and thinking ahead, like we all do when it comes to this deadline and how much talk we had previously because they were playing so well that my thing was, hey, you know, you still gotta still have a pretty good shot. The East is technically still wide open as as good as Boston is up at the top. There are question marks there with them still. There are question marks with the Milwaukee Bucks. And while the Sixers may drop and there's an opportunity for Joel Embiid to come back, it has made me think about how they they still have a a chance, if healthy without him, to see who Tyrese Maxey is as a lead guy, who Tobias Harris is back at the number two spot, where you know he wants that that chance, that opportunity to be a focal point of an offense, and he's going to get his shots now. And then the rest of the supporting cast on down the line. And I, I don't think we cannot factor in, Mike, Nick Nurse also being a part of this and the difference that he could possibly make. If we are to really tout him and give him credit for what he has done and he is no longer, he's not Doc Rivers. So we also have to look at him and see what he does and try to make sure that they keep the, their heads above water here for the second half of the season and not fall out, hopefully, of the top six in the East. Devon, what's the best course of action here? You got no Embiid for, I don't know, six to eight weeks, I guess, on the optimistic side here. Do you try to add a number two player and have Maxi and that guy try to keep this team five, four, three, possibly the two seed? Do you try to replace Embiid like with a, like an Andre Drummond type of player and, and try to like move your way up? Do you stand pat and just see what this team can do as is and hope to get Embiid back? What is the best course of action for Daryl Morey under the circumstances? I would say that, number one, this is why we are who we are, you and I, our relationship, because I thought it was a drumming piece, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) If it's not Paul Reed that can hold down things, do you go and take a peek at someone like Andre Drummond? That's one. And then as far as the number two guy, who is that number two guy? Because I don't know that that number two guy is really available. Outside of the conversations that we all have about DeJounte Murray, is there anyone else really out there? Maybe DeMar DeRozan. I'm more of a DeRozan fan than, than most people fitting in with Embiid and Maxi. But right now, Embiid's not there. So could Maxi and DeRozan with Harris keep them in that spot that you're talking about? So if you're talking about Murray but not having to pay that hefty price that they believe that they want, trying to recoup what they gave up to the, to the San Antonio Spurs, then maybe. 
if it's the same with DeMar DeRozan on an expiring contract, I would I I personally would look into that more than I would the the Murray piece. And then I'll even also go down the line, Bogdanovich in Atlanta, possibly Bogdanovich in in Detroit, even though reports are stating that neither one of them are available right now. As you you know just as well as I do, you guys both know that that could change by the time we get to Thursday. Yeah, Devon and Tryon, good to talk to you, man. Um, how does the approach change with the Joel Embiid injury news? Right? I know you just touched on a lot of things there with Gil, but if, if you're Maury, do you say, all right, because of this injury, you know, I'm going to pick up the phone a little bit more here and see what I can pull off between now and the deadline? Do I approach it differently because of this injury and try and set myself up for success for the offseason even more so, right? Like, how do you think those conversations are being had? Well, Ryan, I think the offseason also coincides with the trade deadline a little bit because of, it, let's, say it's, let's say it's Murray, for an example, and let's exclude DeRozan. Murray has two years remaining on his contract. So if you do make a deal, you at least know you're going into it with a, a player that you're going to have two years under the current number, which isn't all that bad. I believe he's somewhere hovering around that 25 million range, right? So then you look at some of the bigger names there in the offseason of what you're going to have to pay them because of what they're going to want, what they're going to ask, and you have to negotiate for that type of player. So right now, I would say still don't change your plan. Mm-hmm. Don't change it. Yeah. If, if it's available to you and you still believe, which I think they do, that Embiid is your your, your – your future, along with Tyrese Maxey, then this other player is still a bonus. And and that's also kind of protecting yourself in a way because Tobias Harris, with his expiring, if he leaves, then you still have a, a third guy as a replacement for Harris already in tow under a good contract and could, as we just talked about, Ryan, keep you in that mix of somewhere between that, that two to six range for for the the seating in the Eastern Conference, so I, I would if I were if I were Daryl Morey and I was talking to Daryl Morey and he's asking me what I thought, I would say keep the same game plan that you had. Obviously, don't maybe prioritize or overpay anything because of the unfortunate news with Embiid, but but the same type of mindset of going into this because of how things line up for you with the off season don't change. Here's the thing, Devon. Uh, we're talking with Devon Givens, PHLY Sports. Uh, PHLY covers the 76. They got a great Sixers team. Devon's a part of. And the offseason, as we've talked about this war, because it came into light so much quicker, you got all this cap space possible happening. You got the Harris contract and the three guys you got from the Clippers. And I don't know that there's a guy in this free agent class that you're like, oh, we got to target that guy. So does having these expiring contracts – is that attractive to Maury, or is he looking to move those now for pieces to help this team? Because there's not someone definitive in the offseason that really is all that exciting. Yeah, because of that point, we the Occam's gone. So so, or, is there a guy that, or is there a guy that you that I'm overlooking, maybe? Well, so, look, sometimes we don't know when the by, by the NBA draft, Donovan Mitchell's available. Rudy Gobert is available, you know, and that player then becomes available and you want to be able to have those assets there for you. But unless you have the intel that that player is going to be available and you do have these expirings right now that you could flip instead of 
versus having them come off your books later on, then yeah, I think I think it is attractive to be able to use Morris, Covington, et cetera, with with that right now versus the off season because they're, they're those names are gone. We don't know that Paul George is going to choose Philadelphia over re-signing with the Los Angeles Clippers, especially after the way that they're playing right now. And Kawhi Leonard already lo- locking up with the next three years there. The new the new arena being built and 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 those guys making a push to keep that team together. So yes, uh, that's Mike. That's exactly why because there is no sexy name there now in the off season. Tobias Harris is probably going to be one of the top three agents on the market. Case closed. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, the other guys are gone now. Now, of course, Dale Morey may not need a third star, and there are not necessarily a lot of third stars on these teams anymore where we have those super teams of the last five years, the past five years ago. But there, there's a way where you can build your team and have your two all-stars in Embiid and Maxi, and still put together a pretty good core group around them where you're still contending not just for the Eastern Conference but for an NBA championship. Let's let's get negative here for a second. I'm gonna I'm gonna box you into a right, corner and uh, feel okay. free to punch your way out of it. Um, <laughs> let's say we fast forward this uh, this movie here, and it's another second round exit. Embiid missed you know six seven weeks. He comes back. He's trying to get back up to speed. He's a little bit out of shape. The team's trying to incorporate him once again, which shouldn't be hard. But you get what I'm saying. Um, second round exit for a variety of reasons. This injury being a big factor. If you're Daryl Morey, if you're whoever, ownership, I think it's fair, and you can disagree, but it's fair to say, huh, can we win a championship with this guy as our centerpiece, with this guy as our number one option? Because your best avail- uh, your best ability is availability, and the dude's never, never been available. Yeah, so this is where, as you said, you're going to play the devil's advocate and be the bad guy. I'm jabbing and I'm bobbing and weaving, not to not answer the question, but I'm protecting myself in a way where yeah. I'm protecting myself against the people who are saying, all right, maybe it's time to do that because I'm still not there yet. Even with this one, Ryan, and understanding exactly what you're saying because we've all been around it, we've all lived it, we've all experienced it, I'm still not ready to do that just because of how good he is. I understand what the possible return could be in terms of players and picks. I, I, I'm fully aware of that. But having seen him and Maxie at the 1-2 for not even half the season yet, but a 30-plus games already and seeing what they can do, and if I am to believe that Daryl Morey can put the right pieces around it to make things connect and work the way that this needs to be to, again, succeed and get past that second round and, and move on even further, I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I understand that I'll probably be, probably be in the minority uh, with that, but... Yeah. As of right now, I was there. Let's just take it back to the Ben Simmons part. And I think most of us were there together. But he was still a young player, still very talented, but clearly clearly the time was up here. There were some who did not want to get rid of him, but then there were some who did. And I was one of those who was a ben, big, ben, big Ben Simmons supporter. But there came a time where I said, even I can't support that. I can still support and see a vision of what Embiid and Maxi together. And giving Nick Nurse another full year, uh, of an opportunity if he's healthy because as you said avail- availability is the best ability and if he's healthy then I'm still on that on that on that team that side where I would keep him being another year yeah. now you see why it is. De- you it see is. why Devon was it was my producer before he and I think the same way about Simmons 
Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I'm starting yeah. to see. He I'm, and I worked together for a while, and we have the same. Yeah, yeah. We have the same thought. By the way, man, that's, I was at the game Saturday, and I thought the impact that Simmons made would be something the Sixers lack, a guy who can rebound and start the press. Yeah. Stop the it. Break. Come on now. Yeah. I, I now he has zero, I mean, zero interest. I mean, he has diminished so much on the offensive end. But I'll tell you what, he had nine boards in 14 minutes, and he gets up that – he gets up in a – and I'll tell you what, that crowd was roasting him on the as whole As they should. Game. As they should. And yeah. he, he – <laughs> persevered through that but anyway um i was there too i wish i would have known you were there i would have looked out for you <laughs> um speaking of ben the year that Embiid got hurt they changed the entire dynamics of the roster bellinelli Ilyasova, and they just went bombs away they won 18 games in a row does maury look for a deal that changes the complexion of the team's style to try to move up the standings and then figure out how to re-put Embiid in there should he be healthy, or does he just try to do something that they will add as a complimentary piece for if and when Embiid returns? This is the fascination of the Nick Nurse part for me because I, I want to see with Nurse and Maury together, Elton Brand, how they figure out, are we seen it already? Because we've seen what? They were what, three and nine already without them on the floor. So we've seen a semblance of them without it. That they, have to have, they haven't had the full complement the entire time. But to your point, Mike, yeah, the more free-flowing type of offense, the cutting, the, the passing that is required now without Joel Embiid taking the shots that he's going to take, that attention that he's going to get, you were at the game. Can Maxi? withstand that type of attention that he's going to get, especially with the limp, because they threw so many bodies at him, and they threw so many lengthy bodies at him where he he felt like he was around one. He maybe had somebody on his hip, but there's Nick Claxton at the rim, and he has to adjust, and he's looking for calls that the officials aren't necessarily giving him just yet, even though he's now a first-time All-Star. So I am curious to see how much Nick Nurse and Maury, to your point, but more nurse on the floor changes the style of play without him beat on the floor. Because if it is the shooting, we want to see the outside shots taken. The problem is they've been shooting at such a poor percentage, guys, uh, from behind the three-point line over the last couple of games. And I know Maxie hasn't been a part of it, neither has Harris, because of their injury and illness, respectively. But, yeah, I, if they decide that that's where they want to change things, more free flow and more three-point shots taken, then I, I can understand that. Because after that, everybody else has to adjust to the big fellow, but you still have now two types of offenses that you can run should he come back. So prior to the Embiid injury news, I was firm in my belief of don't make a trade, right? I like this team, and I agree with almost everything that you've said, Devon, with Nick Nurse. I'm a huge fan of Nurse. How can you not be, right? But the depth on this Sixers team is the deepest I've ever seen it in my lifetime. And even with this uh, Embiid injury news, I say, you know what? Let, let this let this group rock. Um, I, I'm curious to see how Maxi steps up, how the rest of the, the, quote, other guys step up. But my point here is, A, do you have confidence that this Sixers group, without Embiid now, can still finish possibly in the top four in the East? And part two, even with the injury news, 
do you still believe in this Sixers team to come out of the East this year? Because everyone I talk to is saying, here we are, same old song and dance. There's no way they, they can pull that off. Yeah, so right now, just for your last part of your question, I would say no just because just because we haven't seen enough of it um, with Embiid out and Harris missing his time because he's been sick, Maxie just coming back, and Covington out, Melton out. So I would say no to that. But that's more just to reserve my judgment until we see him. Now, we may not because the trade deadline is now three days away, so we may not get a chance to see exactly what you're talking about. And then when it comes to before the injury, I was still in the camp of give me one more piece. And it didn't have to be a star piece, Brian, to your point, because they were playing so well. But it didn't hurt to have another role player who could shoot the basketball, maybe coming off the bench or another starter that could shoot shoot the basketball in that two spot over Melton, even with their numbers being so outrageous, top five offense with that starting five, including Melton. But, I mean, we're here now, so at this point, I, I, as, as we got, as we talked about at the very top, I think they do have to focus and look at that a little bit just to, just to change things up and, and keep themselves in there because I don't think right now, as currently constructed, that they can stay in the top four. And and I'm hopeful when we look at this team to see, can they keep them in the top six and stay out of that play-in situation? Therefore, now you're looking at maybe New York or Cleveland in that three spot if you're the six and you know how you feel about your chances at that point. Not good. Uh, <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> Javon Givens, PHLY Sixers. Um, we'll leave you with this. I mean, yeah. Uh, the, the it's still a little vague as to what happened. I mean, you know, we know he has a meniscus injury, but that could be anything. I mean, last year he played with a meniscus injury, so we know it's worse than that. Uh, 2017, he had a left knee meniscus that forced him to miss the rest of the year. Now, that was a different time and a different team. I mean, that team, he was a rookie, and it's like, all right, we've seen enough. We don't need to get you back. So that timeline I don't think helps us. Do we feel that this is four to six weeks, six to eight, or are they just delaying the inevitable of eh, he's not coming back? I mean, they're saying the door isn't closed, but what's that right. mean? If you make the NBA finals, he could be available. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would I would say right now because I, I'll add this too, Mike, that you talked about him being a rookie at that time. He was also a lighter rookie in terms of how much he was putting on his knees in terms of his weight, and now he's you know, he's a big guy and the pounding that he takes as smart as he is as a player where he's 15 to 17 destroying teams from that mid-range area. He still works a lot on that low block. So there's a lot of pounding on there now versus in 20, what, 2018, mm-hmm. 2019 at that point. So if I had to guess right now, to be perfectly honest with you because of that. And also, I mean, just being completely honest, not always being the yeah, the best worker when it comes to getting through all this. Uh, I, I would say the latter, uh, not the four to six, but maybe the six to eight. I, I don't, I don't know that it's going to take making it through June for him to come back. Because quite honestly, if he's not back by May, we can start talking about the off season. In, in my opinion. Uh, everybody, uh, Devon Givens, uh, check them out on PHLY. You can check out their YouTube channel after every Sixers game. You guys go live, what, 2.30 on, on non-game days? Yes, non-game days, 2.30. Uh, we're actually off tomorrow, 
because we have a trade deadline special on Thursday at 2 o'clock, but non-game days 2.30 and approximately 15 to 30 minutes at the latest on game nights like tonight. All right, buddy. We'll have to do this more often now. I look forward to it, man. Look forward to it. Really do. Enjoy the game tonight. Thank you, man. Thanks, Ryan. Really appreciate it, man. Mike, always good to catch Thank you. up, man. Uh, Devon Givens, PHLY, uh, one of the good guys who used to do the Sixers post game on the uh, Sixers radio network. You know, uh, he was my producer for a while. He's a good dude, man. And I, listen, I've always respected his opinion when it comes to the Sixers. So, you know, his cousin's Mikel Bridges. I did know that. Yes. Maybe he could talk Should've to Mikel Bridges yeah. to come to the Sixers. Exactly. <laughs> Putting a good word for us, bro. Come on, man. Um, I think his cousin is Monet Davis, too, by the way. Jeez. Yeah, he's well-connected. He's, he's got some athletes. I think. I'm pretty sure. I think we've had this conversation before. Yeah, he was. He produced my show for uh, for about a year. And uh, very detail-oriented. Very good. That's and, good. of course, he hosts at nights in Philly. Yeah. In the in the post, post-game show. So you probably have heard him on our Sixers radio network coverage. And now... He's off on this new venture, PHLY. They got a great Sixers team with him, uh, Derek Bodner, who used to cover the Sixers for us, and uh, Kyle Newbeck. The Athletic and Newbeck, yeah. They, they do a, a really crew. good job on the Sixers. And uh, now uh, we'll have Devon here on the Sports Bash more now. There you go. It was good stuff, man. All right, we're still thinking of the answers to this trivia question. Oh, we are? <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one. That was a curveball, man. I mean, 15? Yeah, 15 is a number I was not expecting. No, that's a lot. So what's the question again, Josh? <laughs> so the question is, can you name the players from South Jersey who played in the Super Bowl? And, yes, we're not exclusive. I got one. I got one. Wow. I got one. All right, what is it? Uh, I'll tell you after the break. You cheated. All right. Ooh. I didn't cheat. I, I'll tell you what. He played at Ocean City High School. He lives in Ventnor. He coached at Absagami, and he made it with the Titans. I know who it is. I'm not going to say it, though. All right? Yeah. More sports bash coming up. 97.3 ESPN. We have the perfect sitting in traffic. You come with me. The sports bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. 531 sports bash. So I got a bunch of pet peeves, one of which Danny Ryan just brought up. But that wasn't even on the top of my list. I had other things on my mind. Here we go. Uh, pet peeves or? Yeah. Okay. Do you just want to crush Danny? or No, he <laughs> brought something up that maybe like reignite my thoughts. One. Nice. Horrible texters are pet peeves of mine. Super broad, but okay. Well, listen. Everybody is on their phone all day, every day. So when you get a text and you don't respond, you're a horrible texter. And then to add to the lack of being a bad texter is when you text somebody a question, that person responds to your question and then has a question of their own. And then you don't respond to that question. But did they respond or they just didn't respond at all? Either or. Like, for instance, today, here's one of my texts, okay? Okay. We're getting a behind-the-curtain look here at Mike Gill's text messages. Well, I said, this is exclusive. You just got to pay extra for this type of stuff. I said, when we go to Vegas, we should go to the Golden Knights Edmonton. Okay. The response was, bring warm clothes. <laughs> I said, what the hell does that have to do with anything I just said? 
Jeez, that was an aggressive response by you. But what did they say? <laughs> what did they say? I'm on that? a budget, maybe. <laughs> okay. And then it was, <laughs> I haven't been to Vegas since 2009. I said, not sure what that has to do with anything that I just said. <laughs> What, because what are you reading that made you respond in that way? Well, a lot of times, and this is just an issue with texting. Is that the Schweiner? Yeah. Is that Schweiner? It's yeah, obviously who it is. There's other people that I could use as yes. an example. His yes. just happened to be today so, yeah, during the show. because you have multiple conversations within one text. That's the issue with texting. It's like there's the a lot happening. The question was clear. Do you want to go to the game? Bring warm clothes. There was no other. There was no other conversing in that. You didn't have a text before that. No, that ah. might have been the day before. Okay. So one of two things. Are I had, oh, so yeah. I had a question the other day. A guy sends me a text. He asked me a question. I answered his question, and then in my answer, I asked him a follow up. Okay. So you asked me a question, which means you are waiting for me to respond to the question to get an answer. Yeah. When that text comes in, you have to read. The, the answer that I gave you because you were asking me the question. Mm-hmm. So did you just overlook the question that I also asked? Because I got no response to the question that I asked. <laughs> he just completely ignored you. Yeah. Like, I answered the question, then I answered it with a question. Huh. Like, I wanted more Maybe inform- it's a you issue. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't happen to you? No, it does. <laughs> it's just texting, dude. There's always, like, it's always just a mess. Like, people that's, don't get it. No one's on the same page. This is one pet peeve. Go ahead. So, no, I was going to say, one of two things are happening there with Billy. Either one, he's just giving you some tips because it's going to be rainy, ugly weather down there. Not as, be- you know, good weather as people envision for Super Bowl week. And two or two. Hurricane Schwimmer. He doesn't have the funds, a.k.a., like he said, he's on a budget right now, to say yes to that. So he's going to bring up a new topic to disregard what you said and push that down the line a little bit. But he's not the only one. But bring warm clothes. That implies, like, let's go to the the hockey game. To me, that's a yes. It's like, yeah, pack your sweater, buddy. It's going to get cold in that ring. <laughs> going <laughs> to heights. I've been to a hockey game like in Tampa. You wear shorts and a T-shirt. I've been to a game in Tampa Although it's well. supposed to be 55 and rainy in Vegas. Okay? Well, there you go. Pet peeve number two I came across this weekend. Here we go. Went to the Sixers game. Uh-huh. Now, they put out an advisory saying there was going to be traffic issues. When is there not? Well, because 95 was shut down okay. in certain areas. Okay. So we left early. We get to the arena at, say, 4 o'clock. Okay? Yep. For now, what, the game's a 6 o'clock game. Yeah. So you can't go into the building, but you can go in, like, the Cure Club. Yeah, the bar there. Right. Yeah. So you can go in there. Then they have it all roped off. You can't go in. Unless you're a season ticket holder. At 4.30, they let the season ticket holders go in. 30 minutes prior, right? Correct. Yeah. But every other schmuck had to stand there. (laughs) Yeah. So we're all standing there like... You're a loser, yeah. Yeah. So, why would you not want people walking around and spending money? If you want the... I get it. You're letting the season ticket holders, I get, get what? A half hour of short lines? Is that the reasoning? Yeah, I think that's a good reason. You don't... I think a half hour is way too long. 15 minutes is suffice. But you have to have benefits of being a season ticket holder. Okay. I was say, would you feel I, the you, same if you were a season ticket holder? I can, I, I say the season ticket holders can get in. Say, I think the time is like four thirty for the season ticket holders. I think they should be able to get there earlier, four o'clock. So they have some four to four thirty. 
Okay. Like, if I'm going to a game, I like to get to the game. Yeah, get there I want to get the surroundings. I want to go to the store. Agree. I want to get food. You're telling me I have to stand there like a schmuck till 5 o'clock. I don't have enough time to do what I want to do. I want to walk around the building. I want to smell the sights. You have an hour. See, I go to the you game unlike Danny, Danny Ryan, Ryan here to yeah. go to the game, not because Joel Embiid's playing or not playing. Well, hold on, hold on, right, hold, on right. hold on. We had the conversation in the middle of the break, and I was like, all right, I'm not sure if I'm going to take my girlfriend to a movie or to the Sixers game because the Sixers play the Heat on Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. But the whole thing is, too, we're not going to have time to do that. I'd love to do it. I think that would make it special for her, and we would, you know, enjoy ourselves more. She doesn't get out of class until 5. It's a 7 o'clock game, I believe. So that means I won't see her until around 6. By that time, we're ready to go into the game, probably get in there. I would say get there by 6.15, in by 6.30, 30 minutes to game time, just to watch a product without the MVP of the league. Now, if the team was That's like, inconsequential. Yeah. I just think that I want it to be a nice Valentine's Day holiday, and Joel and B play. She doesn't care if B plays. You already said she. She cares. already said she cares. You already said she doesn't care about basketball all that much. She's not a basketball fan like I am. She's a casual watcher. Are you going to the game? Get. <laughs> Do I want to bring her to a twenty-point loss against the Heat? It's about the experience. No, though. you're in the building because you're a fan yeah. of the team. Yeah, but you got to take into consideration the... these factors. That's the problem with the fans today. Oh. They're factoring in. Yeah. You know, you're going to the game. Yeah, That's what you're there if for. If I'm spending 150 bucks, I want it to be the best possible version Guess I what? can do. Guess what? That 150 is blown whether they win or lose. Right. Yeah, I know. You can't predict. You can never try. You can and, never predict. You can't it. control it. You, you can't can control try, it. Right. You can't I control would say it. without Embiid against the Heat, there's about a 30. 35, maybe you can go 40% chance they win. With Embiid, According it's about to what, 75. ESPN, uh, RPI index yeah. here? I'm, I mean, I'm just saying. So what if you take her and it's some Spitball. overtime awesome game, yeah. Sixers win, Maxi went, has 70. I went to a process. <laughs> Seriously, though, like you don't know. No I went Dude, to you a, don't know. I went to a process Sixers game. They were awful. Some of them were fun, though. But I went to a Sixer game process years. They're up 20 in the fourth quarter, and Jimmy Butler – Ends up scoring 50 in the game for the Bulls at the time. Double yeah. overtime. It was one of the most fun times I had. I went to the game Saturday. The Sixers were never in the game. They got their ass kicked. I had a blast because the Sixers put on such, and that's the thing. They put on a great, they put on yeah. such a good presentation. If you're taking your girl, she's yeah. more interested in the music and the this and the that Catching than she is about the game. Okay. <laughs> I was just trying to be practical here catching with the money a t-shirt. Got to catch know? a t-shirt, you know. Yeah. Well, we're sitting. We're we're not catching well, any t-shirts. Trying to be, no, you. they they cannon no, them they up there. Them up there. Yeah. You are trying to be practical <laughs> by predicting the outcome of a sporting event. But I do. Listen, I'm not trying to, to fully predict it. That's impossible. I'm trying to. Give myself the best chance to see a great I game. I get it. Like, you don't have a ton of money. When you do want to exactly. decide to go to a game, you would like to see Joel and Sure, but I like get the other that. night. I do get that. Especially um, on a holiday, romantic holiday for yeah. a Okay. Um, would you have been, if the Sixers played Utah, no Embiid, would you be like, oh, let's go to that game on Valentine's Day? I might have more inkling to. Yeah. Why? Why? Is Utah It's Utah. They're a bad team. Oh, so that's oh, the Sixers. They might have a shot to win. I see Utah. They've got. Utah and Miami One rising have, star hold on, right now. Utah and Miami have about the same record. Yeah, but I I'd think there's some other that. factors that go into it. I Miami, mean, you get Jimmy Butler, you get you get a you know, yeah, Adebayo. Yeah. So well, my game. point is, if you would have been judging it based on, eh, it's Utah, no Embiid, Max scored fifty. Right. I also think Utah yeah. has less they're playing for in reality. Like the Heat are supposed to be competing; they're not supposed to be that bad, and they're giving. Their max effort, it's just not falling their way right now. I feel like they're a more competitive team than Utah is. I think we also have to factor in the Valentine's Day aspect of it, and you're taking your girl to that game. So these 
points shouldn't matter as much. The Valentine's Because your girl Day, is not locked into the game right. in the, the second Valentine's quarter. The Valentine's Day aspect of it is more the event for her exactly. than the competitiveness exactly. of the game. And I exactly. think I'd have no questions about whether I would take her to the Sixers game or not if we had, like, from 3 to 7 to kind of spend together before the game, then get to the game early, taking all of it. But it's so rushed. It's like, do I want to spend all that money to get there at 6.30 and be out of there by 9? Uh, probably not. But... Yeah, I mean, just factors I take into consideration. Yeah, so sure conclusion is, you, Danny Rye's a bandwagon fan, I guess. Oh, we've already is. acknowledged that. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. That has already been well established. On he this. already has thrown out his Flyers hat. Bro, bro. He came into the Flyers. <laughs> it's yeah, like a five-game winning streak. He had a Flyers hat on the last time we were here. They've lost five straight, and he's gone well, to, try to mix university. Yeah. T- he came in with, with skates and a hockey stick when they won five in a row. No, they were on the losing streak when I wore it last week. <laughs> and I still represented them, so I get some points for that. And second off, you do. If I look like you know, if I'm wearing the same hat every day, I look like I'm homeless. I can't afford much, so you gotta switch it up. I got a oh, wide variety of hats. Oh come on, don't make fun of me, Danny. <laughs> oh, come on. Listen, you don't wear hats as often as I do, though. I got wear a hat every day. I got a bad I wear a hat every single every day. Every time I come into the, the studio, you no, never have a hat he on. He shows up with the hat on, and then he takes it off. Okay. Well, but he see, always wears a hat. I never run into Josh with a hat on. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen Josh with a hat what? on. Are you suggesting, In person. Are you suggesting he probably should keep it on? No. <laughs> See, this is I mean, twisting my words, putting in words I, in my mouth here. Coming from a guy that has a shaved head, I, listen, Josh, when you're ready to come to the come to the other side, you just give me a holler, man. That's all I'm saying. All right, so does anybody – I came up with uh, an answer for the trivia. I think I know the answer you gave, so I'm, I'm waiting to hear this. All right, so Doug Coleman would be one. Yeah. He is one, yes, one on the board. So we got four. We got four. Eleven more to go. <laughs> By the way, to the texters who keep saying about Demby, Demby never played in Is the this Super just Bowl. Just players or coaches as well. These are just players. These are right. guys who literally got snaps Dude, in the I, game. I mean, fifteen is a lot. That's why I told I you guys it can't be just Atlantic, Cape May counties. You got to expand a little bit. What about the guy from Wildwood? There is a guy from Wildwood on the list. Oh, um, the baseball player too. No, no, I'm thinking of. <laughs> you think somebody different? No, but he was a really no, you're good football of, uh, player. Osborne. Yes, Osborne. Um, not Billy Osborne. No, Billy Osborne did not play in the Super Bowl. He Correct. Well, he played at Pitt, That's but I don't. Guess, he was with the Eagles in uh, training camp, but I don't know that he. There is a guy from Wildwood who did play in the Super Bowl. What the hell's his name? Beverly, Randy. That's correct. Randy wow. Beverly played in Super Bowl three with the New York Jets. He was a cornerback. Super Bowl three. Yeah. All right. Really struggling with the rest of this list here. Yeah, I mean, how can? I mean, what kind of hints do you want to give? Want to give you teams? You want to give yeah. me eras? We need a lot of hints. Well, there's some Ravens on this list. You probably should start with that. Some couple Forty ers a couple Giants. You're missing an Eagles player. What about the Giants? Ron Dane, was he on that team? That is correct. Ron Dane was on the Giants team that lost to the Ravens over Brook High School. Yeah, I know Ron Dane was a South Jersey guy. I still can't believe you mentioned the Mike, you mentioned the guy. You literally interviewed this guy a couple of years ago. I interviewed a lot of people. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, what Super Bowl? Uh, Super Bowl 47. No, which Super Bowl did I interview him at? Oh, um, I'm pretty sure it was the Mall of America. Hmm. Huh. Because that was at the food court, right? Yeah. Food court, yeah. 
Damn. I think I would remember that, huh? I don't know. I wouldn't expect that for sure, but we get any listener help or not? Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, uh, let's see, uh, Pete Hunter went to Atlantic High. What okay. team did he play for in the Super Bowl? I don't think he actually played. He did play for the Cowboys, but that wasn't when they actually went yeah, to the Super Bowl. Yeah, they wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl in our lifetime. So. That was like Dave Campo. Hmm. Can we talk about the Super Bowl for a second? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on the rest of the Ryan's week. Ryan's so tired. Why don't we just give you the rest of the list? Is that what we're doing here? I mean, I would love that. How about somebody call. texted in Jawan Johnson? Not on the list. Yeah. He disagrees with you. <laughs> Go ahead. Give us the, give us the remaining... Clark, <laughs> part of that list. <laughs> uh, so you got John Taylor from the 49ers. Oh, geez, I would never have gone that far back. Penn Salkin. Well, you went Beverly. You went Super Bowl three. I just, I remember because he's Wildwood. I had Penn Salkin not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> the guy that Mike didn't remember was Bryant McKinney. Okay. Oh, I do remember interviewing him. Yeah, it was a good interview. Uh, Gary Brackett from the Colts played in two Super Bowls. Glassboro. Would never have got that one. No. The guy playing this year is Logan Ryan, cornerback. He's from Voorhees. All right, no answer from that. You guys forgot the Eagle Hassan Reddick. He's oh, from what Kansas. about Eli Apple? Apple's North Jersey. Well, he went to, what's it called, didn't he? Where'd he go? He went to what's it called? Uh, <laughs> what's it called? Uh, <laughs> what's it called you? Yeah. I'll pull up his pro football reference page. He went to what's it? Eastern called? Regional he went to Eastern, High School. Yeah, Voorhees. Voorhees. Yeah, that's. Well, uh, where I got your list. Now I had to see. I knew 16. I had to fact check John. Now there's Damn 16 it. guys, yeah. not 15. Well, then uh. USA Today is wrong. So that's where I got the list from. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap up the show. And Ryan can talk about the Super Bowl. Can't wait. That's next. The Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Me too, getting ready to get out of here. By the way, I found a list of 35 players from South Jersey <laughs> that made this list. One I remember because I interviewed him, Josh. Ed Smith played for the Falcons. He went to Pemberton. Did he play in the game? What else? Oh, coaching? Isaac, no, he played in the game. No, uh, Isaac Redmond, the running back for the Steelers, he went to uh, Paulsboro. Okay. Kareem McKenzie played for the Giants, went to Willingboro. I mean, there's a whole list of... Uh, I had, I had Kareem McKenzie on my list. But uh, sure. I do remember Ed Smith from the Falcons team that went to uh, the Super Bowl. Come on. If you say so. What's your Super Bowl thought? Um, so it's pretty crazy, right? Because you look at history as far as public betting the Super Bowl. Since 1991, what do you think the book's record is against the public? Out of 32 Super Bowls, what do you think... The book has uh, one. How many? Out of 32. 20. 30. The sports books in Vegas, this is based out of Nevada, are 30 and 2 against the uh, betting public since 1991. Overwhelming majority right now uh, for the uh, betting public is on Kansas City. So, how are you betting this game? Because that tells us. San Francisco is going to win. Yeah. I have no idea how I would bet this game. No, I haven't looked a lot into it. Like, this week we'll be down there, and we'll start to kind of get a little better feel and talking to people and, and everything yeah. that's happening. But I haven't really, like, it's so weird. Like, it feels like football season's over, and yet there's still one more game. And initially your thought is, how do I bet against 
Mahomes. Like, he's starting to get that Brady feel where you're just not betting against him. Right. Like, if anyone if anyone can take down Mahomes, though, you look at this San Francisco team. Like, it's tough, man. It, it's – I'm not going to bet against Mahomes, though. Not right now I'm not. Nope. Um, well, how about, like, I was watching Sal Pal reporting from Vegas on the Niners, and he said – how many times do you hear a team make the Super Bowl and say they have to hit the reset button? Right. Because of the way they've been playing to get to the Super Bowl. It's like they feel like, uh, you know, they need kind of like a, a refreshing, a refresher or something. I don't know. I just can't believe that Vegas thinks the Niners would be five and a half point favorites if this was played in San Francisco. Interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. funny because a couple weeks ago we were sitting here and talking about how many teams we think could win the Super Bowl. And I don't think Kansas City was on our list. They're just playing, playing that so poorly. Yeah. at the time. I mean, the stale offense. The another reason good. of what you see, no bearing. Well, it's also another reason why he's coming around to my side, Danny. He's Ryan. the goat, man. There's only it's one a, guy that can do that. You can play horrible for three weeks in a row yeah. and then go to the Super Bowl. The voice of reason speaks some reason from time to time. That's Come right. on, man! Don't get sucked in. All right, <laughs> don't do it. Fight it. Uh, I will talk to you on Wednesday from Vegas. Where is it at? Oh, uh, what? trying to remember the name of the building that it's in convention mandalay bay mandalay bay mandalay bay that's when i'll talk to you next have a great night everybody